Hey, welcome to the 337th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. And uh, that was take two. <laughs> and it's still not good. I'm not doing a take three. A uh, big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. Why? Because they are awesome supporters of the show. You can be a supporter. You can be an awesome supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, scratch that. The last couple weeks, last few weeks, it's been like an extra hour, extra 60 minutes of podcast entertainment. Uh, last week... I talked about the 2010 Percy Jackson movie, the Lightning Thief movie, uh, since the show's over, so you can hear about the whole movie and how things compare, how the movie compares to the, whatchamacallit, to the TV show and all that. A lot of talk about there. And uh, before that, uh, I started, I did the first issue of What If, Marvel's What If from 1976. They're longer issues, so there, there's a lot to talk about there. But... If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash jmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three, and that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, this week, we're in a, in a weird, kind of weird place. I don't know if, if this is a, the results of the strike, the, the actor strike, the director strike, whatever, not, not right, writer strike, actor strike, but there's, there's not a whole lot of of TV stuff that, that I would normally cover. I'm, I'm going to talk about Mr. And Mrs. Smith. The, the bummer for me is that the entire season dropped because I would much rather it be, you know, little by little. I'm only talking about the first two because that was all I had time to really watch with, you know, some other stuff. Cause I, you know, I watched Percy Jackson movie and there's something else I'll talk about in just a second. But also I don't, if I talk about like, three episode four i just feel like that's too big of a chunk in this podcast because what if someone really doesn't want to hear about it then you're sitting here forever because there, there's times where i've spent like an hour talking about just a sh one show and I, f I feel like i don't know i i think that that, that could be too much so i just try to manage it or whatever so two episodes of mr and mrs smith i may do that i don't know honestly i don't know if i'm going to talk about the whole season so we, we can see how how that goes um i'm also going to talk about this show called has been hotel it's an animated show on Prime. Yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about, like, wait, what? Why am I talking about that? I never heard of it. I never heard of it. It actually, the entire thing is out. That one actually, I think maybe two or three came out the first week, and it kind of trickled out. But that came out, I think it was, like, January 18th or something like that. So I finally got around to watching two episodes this last week. So you hear about that. Um, the movie feature is Lisa Frankenstein. So it's either Lisa Frankenstein or I think it's Out of Darkness into in the darkness something in darkness so we'll talk about about what i thought about lisa frankenstein i might talk about a, a little bit about a charles soul book so if if you read comics if you read marvel comics if you read star wars comics you know who charles soul is uh he's a really cool guy really nice guy uh, and i just finished his book but the thing is the book came out last summer came out uh, june 6th i just finally got around to finishing it I may talk a little bit about it, but not like a whole lot in depth. I don't normally talk about books, but it was it was a kind of cool book, and there's some really cool ideas, and it's it's worth checking out. So I may, may talk about that because that's it. Uh, aside from comics and news, there there's no other shows or anything to talk about. So I think we'll we'll go with that. Let's talk about some news. One thing, Hayden Christensen, he he talked about 
the the youngling scene, which is I don't know if he's ever, I've ever seen an interview or heard him talk about that. But he says he's like I love that George did that. He he said uh, he talked to Empire magazine. He's like there was a lot of talk about us doing that scene, and I love that George did it. It was a bold move, and it's shocking. Kids seem to forget about that scene when they meet me. <laughs> he's like there's not any fear of intimidation. They're just excited to meet Anakin. And that's the thing, because, you know, you see you, Phantom Menace, you see little Anakin and even, you know, Attack of the Clones. But it's like, no, he becomes Darth Vader. Darth Vader is not a nice guy. So it's it's it, I am glad that they did that. It's when you see that, it's like, holy crap. And uh, yeah, there's there's no turning back after after that. So that that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, Mandalorian and Grogu, the movie. I don't know. I haven't read anything about this. I don't know why. It seems weird because there's a show. Why would you do a movie? And I, I get you know bigger production or whatever, but it looks like it might be the next movie that actually comes out, the next Star Wars movie. Because you know there's really nothing. There's you know there's lots of other things that are in the works, but this might be the closest to production. I don't know, but it's not going to come out till two, 2026. So that's like two years. You know, two more years without a Star Wars movie. So that's that's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, Josh Brolin, he said that he, he's talking about Thanos. Like, maybe Thanos is coming back. You know, he's not really sure. He said he heard through the grapevine that Marvel is thinking of, of bringing him, th- bringing Thanos back. But he's not really sure because you know he, uh, it was a pretty definitive death. But and he's he's not talking about like what if. You know, he's talking about other stuff. But I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you could always do multiverse, but that's that always seems like that's a cop out. And and you look at how many how many times has Thanos died in the comics? So there, there's always something there, but it could be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, uh, about that. Jeremy Renner, he said that uh, he's always game. To come back to Avengers, you know, he, he's he's he was willing to do more to be Hawkeye again. So I'm like, let's make that happen. Then uh, Sam Rockwell, he so who we just saw in Argyle last week, right? He he wants to return as Justin Hammer in Armor Wars. He like, I mean, it makes sense. I I really don't like the character. You're not supposed to like him. And he was just in What If, so I think it was the second episode of What If Season 2, the the holiday episode. So obviously, you know, he's still in talks with them. I think he would, he did his own voice. I mean, the character was back, but I'm pretty sure he was he did the voice. So we'll have to see. I don't know. Florence Pugh, she's confirmed that Thunderbolts production is going to start up in the coming weeks. So they're getting ready to go back to that. So that, that that's cool. Michael Chick, I'm just kind of going through the new, I don't know why I'm going I'm faster than normal, uh, even since there's, this may not be as long of a podcast. Uh, Michael Chiklis, I, I haven't heard anything about this, but I, he debunked a rumor that The Thing was going to have a cameo in Deadpool 3. He's like, no, that's not going to happen. Um, he did kind of tease like a new thing. Obviously, there's going to be a new thing in Fantastic Four. Maybe he knows something about it, or maybe he's just like, it's, he knows it's not him, so he's saying that there's going to be a new one. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Game of Thrones, um, a- Aegon's Conquest spinoff. I'm trying to remember, like, wait, who the heck was Aegon? So my my confes- confusion is, because a- I thought Aegon was one of the kids. Is uh, Rhaenyra's kid, maybe? Am I wrong? Or is it someone the other, some uh, someone else's kid? 
but then I thought I, I saw about this Aegon's Conquest, that this is actually a prequel to House of Dragon. Now, there was the other king earlier. Is that what this is? My Game of Thrones, I know nothing about Game of Thrones. I am not even going to pretend. I watched, I watched House of the Dragon. I watched maybe three seasons of Game of Thrones. I don't remember where I left off. And I, I've talked about that many times. So someday I will finish it. And people always tell me, don't finish it, don't bother. But I, I, I do want to finish it. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Uh, but Aegon, I, I'm trying to remember if that was the name of the king from that blade. So if this is something, because House of Dragon is a prequel to Game of Thrones. So Aegon's Quest is going to be a prequel to the prequel. <laughs> It's like, okay, um, that, as long as it's cool. I normally don't like the old-timey stuff, as I keep saying, which is why I didn't see that Out of Darkness movie that's taking place 4000 BCE or whatever. But I, I enjoyed a, a House of Dragon, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. Jessica Jones. There's going to be a Jessica Jones crime novel and because uh, they, they, they released like, the, cover, like, the cover art for that. I don't know anything about this either. It's uh, written by Lisa Jewell, so I'm not familiar with her writing at all. But it's a uh, so I guess it's called Breaking the Dark, and it kind of I'm I'm actually kind of interested in this. I I hope you know, I would imagine it's not going to be like a young adult book, and some young adult books aren't aren't, aren't bad, but it shouldn't be a kid. I mean, because it's Jessica Jones, so this should be like you know, this shouldn't be kid kid for kids. But apparently, this lady comes in you know, with this case that her teenage, she, she feels like her teenage twins were replaced because they went to visit their father in the UK. And now they came back and they almost seem like they're too perfect. You know, they're, they have flawless skins. They've, they've lost like ticks and habits and stuff that they have. And so it just seems like, like something's up. And then they keep mentioning this, I think this girl named Belle or Belinda or something like that. I forgot what it was. So Jessica's going to go there and then she meets this Belinda Bell, whatever it was, and um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of intrigued with that. I, I would wouldn't mind reading that, and I th I think it's a good idea. It's like do some more novels, do some quality stuff. We have the Star Wars novels, which I haven't you know read or listened to an audiobook of one in a while, but I, I think it'd be cool to do some quality Marvel books because why not? You know, if, if people are willing. Sure, people would, would want to read it. They used to do them once in a while. Peter David used to do, like, I know he did, like, Hulk books. And I don't know. So that's supposed to be a July 2nd. So uh, if I check it out, I will let you know. And then uh, Rob Liefeld, he's, uh, um, he's retiring from Deadpool, he announced. So when I first heard about this, I was like, what? Like, what, what does this mean? And he talked about... You know, he did this big, long, like, Twitter, Instagram post or whatever that, you know, he thought about, like, working on a character well into, like, his 70s and everything like that. But I guess um, I don't know the specifics of it, and I think he's going to talk about it on his podcast, uh, which I, I, I don't have time to listen to. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't listen to mine, right? Um, but he, he, he feels like he has, like, one final story that he wants to tell. And, you know, it's a write and draw, but he's talking about like his eyes, um, his hands, you know, the aches and pains and stuff like that. So I think he's kind of doing it where he doesn't want like the quality to go down. You know, he could, he could probably keep doing it, but if, if it's getting harder for him, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, when you get old arthritis or whatever like that, you know, you, you can't do the same as you can when you're young. I mean, it, it's a sucky thing about growing up. I'm getting this pain in my, my shoulder, my clavicle. I'm like, what the heck is this? Is this arthritis? Or is, am I sleeping wrong? Did I accidentally fracture it? I didn't do anything. But that's part of growing up. 
so I think he he just doesn't want to put out like subpar work because you know he when you do when you're a creative person when you're you know because I look at when I draw sometimes sometimes I will put something out like put something out I'll post something which is not the same thing and I look at that I'm like Ugh, I, I kind of don't like it and then you know sometimes you're your own worst critic they, they you know as they say so I think that that's part of it and you know maybe you know maybe he just wants to do covers and not do like full interiors and or, you know maybe he's like yeah i I've, I've told all the deadpool stories i have to tell he loved the character with the passion i think think that's about it you know and concentrate on other stuff so so bravo you know i'm sure it's not an easy decision because he does love the character and and that that's what's what's so awesome about that um and then the last bit of news gina carano who was a uh, what was her name in um i don't even remember what her name was Cardoon, that's it. Uh, in Mandalorian, she's suing Disney now. So she got 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 fired, and she's she's suing because she's saying it's discrimination and wrongful termination, and because she was voicing right wing opinions on social media and quote refusing to conform to the company's viewpoint on certain issues. So basically, you know, she's making fun of people's pronouns. And I don't understand when, why people have such an issue with that. It's like, you know, if I wanted to use a certain pronoun, that's my choice. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you, you don't tell me what to call you. But it's like, why not? It's like, you know, my name is Anthony. Don't call me Anthony. Call me Tony. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. If I want to go by a different pronoun, that's why, why wouldn't you respect that? And, and just some people just have a really hard time accepting that. But then she was also, I mean, I don't remember the specifics, but, she, but I think she's, she's one of those people, where, you know, we, we have these group of people saying the Holocaust never happened. And I, I just, I don't understand that. How can you say that this big horrific moment in history didn't happen when there's pictures, when there's, there's, there's still survivors, there's still people, you know, you got people with tattoos on their arms that barely survived all this horrific stuff. And then you're just, you know, such a horrible moment in deep, you know, dark moment in people's histories, their ancestors. And then you're just trying to say, oh, that didn't happen. You're just like trying to diminish it. That is like horrible. You, you can't say that, that the, the death, the horrific murder, the attempted annihilation is just insignificant and and you know you, you can't make fun of that can't make light of that and then to deny it even happened or or try to say oh this is kind of the same thing it's like this is nothing even close to what what people went through i saw it and and the thing you know when you you work for a big company you have to do what they say i i, I don't know i mean does she have a case wrongful termination whatever i i'm sure if you're working for disney you sign some heavy duty contracts and I'm sure there's something in there that says that you have to present yourself a certain way, even though it is your personal social media, whatever thing, that's just the way it is. You want this gig, you have to play by these rules. If you don't want to play by these rules. Don't take the gig. I mean that, I think that's just common sense. That's how it goes. And it's not necessarily, it, it, they're trying to say like free because Elon Musk is helping fund this lawsuit through X, through formerly known as Twitter, which like, what? It's like, okay. So he's trying to say it's because of, of free speech. Disney said that her social media posts 
um, denigrating people based on their cultural religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. So yeah, that, that's, that's just how, how, how it goes. But, you know, so if Elon Musk is saying, like, oh, she has free freedom of speech and all that, why doesn't a company have freedom of speech to hire who they want to hire or not? Just because you get a role, who says that they have to give you that role or keep, keep giving you that role? Because, you know, maybe, you know, it's not like she was the star of The Mandalorian. She was a supporting character. Characters get written out all the time. And you, you can't say, you know, maybe it just doesn't fit. There could be numerous reasons. Maybe audience reacts this way or whatever, this and that. And it's also funny because once she left, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this movie stuff. I forgot the dude's name or whatever. Did this one movie, did not do well at all. And then she's doing conventions, you know, signing autographs or, you know, eight by tens or whatever for, as, you know, Star Mandalorians, Cara Dune. And so she's still cashing in on that. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's ridiculous. What about like Roseanne Barr? She had her own friggin' show. She got fired from her show. They renamed the show and, and continued to show. They killed her off in the show and kept the show going because she said some knucklehead things. And by knucklehead, you know, I, I, again, I call some of my students knuckleheads. I call myself a knucklehead. But no, what she said was not, not even the same. She said some, some bad things. Yes, you are entitled to your opinion, but you, you, you're putting yourself out there. I, as a, as a professional, as a teacher, while I'm going to say my own opinion about stuff like that, I wouldn't say necessarily, you know, there, there are certain things that you, you can and can't say as, you know, you're, whether you're a role model, you're, you know, even if it's your own thing, you are representing who you work for and who hires you. They have the choice of whether they want you working for them or not. I, that makes sense to me. Yeah, whatever. If you don't like it, find something else. You know, find find your own thing where you can say or do whatever you want and not have to worry about it. And if you can find that, awesome. But if you want to do this other big thing, this big platform, you got to jump through these hoops. You got to play their game to do that. That's how how it is. And that's how the news is going to be because that is the news for the week. All right, with comic books, let's start with Thundercats number one. So this is by uh, Declan Shelby, and he's so he's just writing it, and it's drawn by Drew Moss. Now, this is, the bizarre thing is, it you know I, the, the big thing everyone's talking about is it. it I believe it sold over a hundred and seventy thousand copies. That is uh, that's pretty insane these days. You know, comic sales, unfortunately, you know they they've they've gone down. So I don't know what it is about this i mean are people just that hungry for thundercats i mean declan shelby you know he he's he's amazing writer amazing artist you know he's a cool guy and you know he has his following but and it's it's i believe it's 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 dynamite comics right where's my comic um it's dynamite comics and i i don't know why there there's a few variant covers but I don't feel like in, in the past, I, you know, Dynamite especially, you know, a lot of times you'll see, you know, publishers put out like 20 copies and incentive copies and this store copy and that store copy, which, you know, that to help raise the sales. You know, a lot of time it's like, okay, you want this cover, you can only order this cover, you know, if it's a 25 to 1, you have to order 25 regular copies to get this or they'll do 50 to 1 and there's 100 to 1 and I think they've done like 250 to 1 and 500 to 1, which... It seems a little unfair because, I mean, unless you're a comic chain or some sort of comic warehouse, 
you know, who's buying 250 copies of a comic or 500 copies? You know, because you 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 buy all these comic these copies, you'll get the one special one, which you know version uh, where you can sell it for a lot more, because you know it's all about supply and demand. But then then you have like all these regular copies that you're you have to hope to sell. So for some reason, I haven't read into it the, any any uh, speculation or reasoning or why, and. I just, I don't know. I guess people are just really hungry for Thundercats. And it seems weird. I love Thundercats. You know, I mean, if, if you're around, if you're alive at the time, if you ever watched, grew up with Thundercats, you know, you love it. You have a, you know, it holds a strong nostalgia, you know, place for you. I remember when the animated series came out, they, they did like a new version. I think they only did like 25 episodes. It was on Cartoon Network. And it was like, early it was like the mid mid 2000s because i remember watching it with my daughter and she really enjoyed that cartoon and, and then it, it just it ended and it that sucked and, and then i never saw it the other day did this like this weird sort of like steven universe style or you know like out of proportion version i don't think that did so well you know because even going back to the the, the, the mid 2000s you know they had a line of action figures because i remember buying those for my daughter and you know she played with those and you know so that you know, it's it's spanned different generations. You know, there, there's my generation, your generations. I guess people just just want Thundercats. I mean, I don't I don't know if they just did something to advertise it, but there you go. So the big question is, you know, what are issue two sales going to be? In issue three, you know, is it going to keep? The, I mean, obviously, it's going to going to drop. You know, just like with movies, you know, they they drop the second week, and, and it's, it's a little different. So we have this first issue. Now, what did I think of it? You know, as I, I just got done saying, like, kind of like my connection to the Thundercats. You know, I love Thundercats. I thought the first issue was fine. It was it was good. They do a decent job. My big problem with it, and I totally get why they're doing it, and you know, they have to do it. But it it goes back to the beginning. It's just here's the origin. You know, Thundercats stuff's going on on their planet. They have to leave. They go on the ship, uh, something happens, Lionel's cryopod thing, he ages a little bit, you know, his body grows, and they land on this planet, and then they have to fight. You know, then they got, there's some mutants are there, the Mumra's lingering about. So, you know, you have to establish all that, because it wouldn't make sense, if you're doing a new comic series, you know, new volume, it wouldn't make sense to jump in, you know, five years later, or whatever, you know, because there could be new readers, or you know, people who don't know what's going on. So, it makes sense that, you start at the beginning and then it that also gives you room you know you're going to take some familiar elements but i i do feel like they've changed some things you know declan has has adapted tweet that made it a little bit of his own because you know there's some stuff here mentioned that i don't think was ever mentioned before and you know i don't know about like other comic versions because there there have been other comics but he's he's kind of taking like the the basis of it and and going from there so that that makes it a little different so it's not just a rehash of the same origin that you've seen an original cartoon or the updated cartoon or whatever so one of the interesting things that i found with this is you know lionel he's still basically a cub you know they're, they're going along the thinking where you know maybe mentally he's still a kid he's still young his body grew while they're in stasis during the, the trip so you know he's he's got more muscular whatever you know ability and, and this and that but he's still a kid. He's supposed to be the leader of the Thundercats, but he's not quite ready there. And Panthro 
is is really kind of you know writing him about that. It's like he's not going easy on him because he shouldn't. So there, there's there's you know all that's that part's interesting. Um, the other thing that I I don't understand the reason, and I don't know if I'm just off. You know, I haven't looked at original design of of Tigra. So Tigra, the dude, not Tiger from Marvel. But Tigra, he almost looks like he has like a big like handlebar mustache. The way his fur goes, it's just it's like really thick and bushy. And and I find it interesting character design because everyone else pretty much looks the same. But Tigra to me just really stands out as being different. And like I said, I haven't like I, I don't think I'm having some weird, crazy memory recollection that is just off. So <laughs> I don't know, but whatever, you know, artist interpretation more power to him and all, all that and uh you know so we do have mummer mummers lingering about they wouldn't have a whole lot with mummer i was always curious like what is mummer's connection and this i don't know if this was ever mentioned in the original series since i watched it as a kid but you know obviously mummer knows about the sword of omens in there so there's got to be some some connection why is mummer way off on this other planet in this temple you know he's supposed to be thousands of years old or whatever and you know how does he know about it what's what's going on there and then you got these stupid mutants, which, you know, we're not supposed to like them. And I, what the other thing that I, I've, I'm curious about, and I would love for this to be explored, is so when their planet was under attack and all that, and they had to leave, you know, it's written in the comic that the only one ship made it out, and that was their ship. So, you know, we're, we're supposed to believe that these are the only Thundercats that made it. But obviously, and I... I feel like there have been other Thundercats that have popped up. Maybe I'm thinking the comic series. Maybe there was one where I think where someone came, but then they couldn't be trusted. They were actually like a traitor or something. I don't even know if they were an actual Thundercat. But I I would find it hard to believe that you have this whole planet and only one ship makes it out. You know, I don't care how much, you know, you're being attacked. I mean, you know, maybe it's just like Krypton. You know, they only sent out one ship. Two, maybe if you count, you know, Supergirl. So, you know, maybe they just weren't prepared for a planetary evacuation. But I think it would be cool if down the line, you know, depending on how long this, this comic goes off, goes on, if, you know, we did see other new, you know, Thundercats or if there are other ones in the actual Thundercats canon that come and then, you know, do they want to, you know, follow this Lionel guy, which maybe they, they know him because he was a kid at the time, but maybe, you know, they've lived some years you know, if, if years go by, why would they want to follow this guy? You know, this isn't Thundera, Thunder, Thunder, what's their planet name? Thundera? Thundera? But, you know, this is a new different planet, and they've fallen different, you know, a different path. So why would they want to go back and follow this dude who, you know, it's, it's we're on a different planet now. Why do I need to follow your rule when I'm out here in space or doing all this other stuff? So we'll, we'll see what happens. And um, I just hope we see more than just Thundercats versus the mutants, because I, I find them kind of... I mean, they were always lame and goofy in, in, in the show. You know, they were supposed to be. They were the goofy villains, but they are also kind of comedy relief, I, I think. And then Mumra... Mumra, I, you know, I, I find him kind of boring, too, if it's just, you know, the same old stuff all the time. So, you know, maybe we can explore more about him. So I'm, I am excited with this. You know, I, I think there's a lot of potential... And, you know, there was a lot of cartoons. I forget how many seasons it was. But, you know, back in those days, you had these, like, 65-episode seasons or, what you know, it's like some big crazy numbers. So we'll have to see. But as as a as a kind of, I wouldn't say a hardcore fan, but as a deep fan, at least, you know, heavy with the nostalgia, you know, maybe I don't know as much as I, I should know. 
but I, I thought the first comic was 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 good. It just maybe I, I wanted a little more, and but at, like I said, they just you know you you have to set things up, and I'm just ready to move beyond that. So I'll, I'll you know keep checking out to see how it progresses. So you should check it out if you haven't already ordered a copy, because obviously. Well, not necessarily 175,000 people have because people probably bought multiple copies, but it's it's cool and exciting that we have people getting excited about a comic. So even if they're just speculating, I don't think people speculate anymore because it's not a speculator's market. But for some reason, it's a lot sold out. So that that's that's cool. So check that out. All right, at image, <laughs> so crave number three. Uh, did I mention? Have I talked about crave? I don't remember if I talked about no issue number two. So Crave is really, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bizarre comic. So it's by Maria Lovett, and I, I'm not really sure how, how it works. So, so you have this kind of like, uh, like a boarding school, basically. You know, you got a bunch of kids, you know, both genders, male, female. And it's like right before break, and there's this app called Crave. And basically... You type, I, you type in whatever you want to do. Like, I want this girl to like me. I want this boy to kiss me. I want this girl to... <laughs> and it happens. <laughs> and it's... Once everyone in the school starts using it, it's just bonkers. It's just... It's like pandemonium in, in the hallway. People are doing everything pretty much. So the, the the question is, oh, and one of the kids, like a, a friend of one of the kids, as he's leaving, you know, has this post-it and it like falls on the floor or something like that, and he's it basically says, "Don't use Crave app." But then he doesn't know it because he's he starts it starts off with this in the first issue, the kind of like main character, he's getting these uh, suggestive photos from this girl that he has a crush on, and you know when they're in class, there's there's like no no uh, interaction with them. You know, I don't even think they're talking. And it's like, you know, why is she sending this? So then it's like, you know, are these real? And then she starts like communicating with him. And it's like, wait, is this happening? So, and it just, it gets out of hand. So they're trying to figure out how, how it works. And I'm trying to figure out how it works because, you know, if, if this app, how, how <laughs> is this app making people do these things? You know, cause like, are they being forced? Like, even if you just take two people kissing, it's like, do they both wanted it? And I, I'm trying to remember if people were able to deny certain things. You know, like, like, no, I'm not doing that, whatever. But th there has to be something because, you know, you don't really have anyone, like, angry. So maybe, I don't know. So they're they're trying to figure out. And so where we're at in the third issue, they finally get a hold of the guy. And they're like, hey, uh, people have been using that app. And he's like, he's like, oh, don't, don't, you know, don't call from the school. Go get to a, outside the school. Go to the landline. So I have no idea what's going on, but it's um it's not for the kids. It's 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 not an all age book, but it's 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 a. Uh, I'm really curious, like what is the the meaning and how, what's the explanation? I guess. So we'll we'll see. Uh, the Cole issue five. I was gonna start reading this. I, I was like looking at the first page. I'm like, whoa. Um, I don't think I read issue four, so I I had to stop and I I gotta dig out my issue four. Uh, let's see, Kaya issue fifteen. And I, I'm I'm enjoying this book. So this, this is Wes Craig, and we just have this world and all these different characters and beings and robots, and I, it's 
it's just like endless adventure and it's just i don't even know how to describe it so you have you know kaya and her her half brother she's trying to get him to safety you know they're basically where they their home kingdom whatever was attacked and you know her brother is he prophesized to be the golden one and is he can he you know so she needs to get him to safety and they're like kind of on the side quest now because they they need to get passage away from where they're at but this dude he's like well you need to go get my daughter because she's in this place and it turns out you know she wants to be there and you know she's kind of rebelling against stuff and it's just it's it's such a it's such an amazing book i i think because it's just it's something different and it took me a little bit to warm up to it and i, I think part of it is i was a little resistant because i was like this isn't Deadly Class, which, as you probably know by now, I absolutely adore that comic, Rick Remender and Wes Craig. So, but once you know you get into just the crazy action and everything like that, so I'm, I'm, I'm really digging this. So I do recommend this one. Uh, then there's uh, so Love Everlasting Twelve. I didn't read that. I, I keep forgetting that that's. I was like, that's still going, and and I, I don't mean it how that sounds, but it's like it's still going. It's like I still haven't gotten caught up is basically what i should be saying uh the one hand uh this i wasn't sure if i was going to read this when i when i looked at the, the cover i was like okay this this look looks kind of interesting it's by ram v uh then lawrence campbell does our lee Ridge does the color and i wasn't really sure what to expect from this so what it's about is uh i'm just gonna read this a neo novena detective Ari Nasser is about to retire with an enviable record until a brutal murder occurs bearing all the hallmarks of the one-hand killer, which should be impossible since Ari already put him away not once, but twice in years before. What follows is a deadly cat-and-mouse game as Ari pursues his quarry down the rain-soaked streets of Neonovena. Ari will stop at nothing to unravel the secrets and ciphers of the case, but each revelation leads further into the dark heart of his future metropolis and Ari's own beleaguered soul. So it takes place in, in the near future, which is is kind of irrelevant, um, but you know, it does add to like certain um, elements of, of the story. It, it's it's interesting because you know it it starts off where he's, I mean, okay, so he's retiring. You know, he, he's he's talking to someone. He's like, is is he going therapy? You know, he's talking to, to someone, and basically he's doing kind of like his his exit interview, and it's it's kind of like okay. Are, are you going to be okay retirement? Are you going to be like depressed or anything? You know, are you going to do anything drastic? And, but you find out, you know, he's, he's about to retire. They do the party and everything like that. And then there's this case and he, cause he sees like he's a coworkers talking. And then we, we find out like more information about that. So I'm kind of curious, like what, what all this means and everything, where this can go. And, uh, and you know, we, we're getting little glimpses of the world. I kind of got kind of like a, Blade Runner vibes, but not like as not futuristic, like flying ships and you know flying vehicles and and stuff like that. So I'm I'm really curious where where this is gonna go. So I'll, I'll probably check out the next issue. Uh, Rogue Sun issue 18, and I haven't read that in in, in the longest time. And then uh, there is Untold Tales of I Hate Fairyland trade paperback. So if you're a fan of that, you sh it's a good time to get caught up because that that's been been fun. Over at Marvel, there is uh, Avengers number ten. This was this was weird because it kind of takes a slightly different direction. So 
what we've been seeing in the past couple of issues is Avengers fighting this team. And I'm like, where did this team come from? What, what's going on? And I don't even care about these people. And, you know, they have all these powers. They're like so like evenly matched with the Avengers, almost like too evenly matched. And then their goal is to go after Kang. So this whole series, this volume of Avengers started with Kang showing up and Kang got like brutally defeated. And, you know, something's going on. Someone's out, out to kill him. And, and it's just what's going on. So as he's been recuperating under kind of like the Avengers care, then, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, they've had, you know, a couple story arcs as we've seen. But now here, while this fight has been going on, it was all basically a distraction. So someone can go after Kang. And we're, we're kind of finding out more of like what's going on between them. And it's, it's, it's so weird because the way Kang is presented here and like just throughout, you know, the, the glimpses of the issues that we've had is, you know, I've, I've never been like the biggest Kang fan. And even though, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing Kang in a new light through the, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but, you know, that's a whole different thing. I always thought of Kang as kind of a, like a wiener. You know, he was always kind of Doric. I always, you know, looked at him. I'm, I'm so like so off, off topic now with, with this issue, <laughs> with this series. But, you know, he had his thigh high boots. He was just so weird and it had this, you know, funky costume. And and here, maybe, I don't know if it's because he's out of the armor. And, or, you know, maybe that's just it. Maybe Kang in a Kang armor. I don't take it seriously. Even though this is Kang the friggin' conqueror. You know, he can, he, his conquered civilization across time across you know whatever and he has access to all time he has access to all sorts of high-tech you know technology high-tech technology and weapons and whatever but he's he keeps losing it's it's a little it's a little more interesting what happens in fantastic four which i'll get to in just a bit i don't want to jump ahead I feel like Kang in the costume, as deadly as he should be, as formidable as he should be, he's always he's always kind of a loser. But here, even though he was defeated, it was almost like it was like a noble defeat. It, it it's not like oh, Kang just got beat again. He just got his butt kicked. It's not a big deal. It just it feels a little, I don't know, a little more real, a little more drastic. I, I I'm not really sure how what, what how what I'm trying to say. I think part of it is is seeing him like out of his armor, as you know we've seen him from time to time. But it just, it makes him maybe feel a little more vulnerable, a little more real. Um, anyways, for as much as, as Avengers have been helping him, he's, he's, he's kind of not, not too gracious about it. So that's all I'm going to say. But we'll, we'll see where this is going to go. Captain America issue six. Um, I, I'm kind of falling a little bit off of the story. You know, obviously, I love Captain America, and I'm going to continue reading this. But when this series was first announced, I'm like, Captain America, we're having stories in the past. It's like, what's happening in the present? And I was like, oh, it's the past and the present. It's like, okay, we're, we're kind of seeing, you know, parallel stories or, you know, just some added growth to his past, which is, it, we're, you know, we're still seeing that. It's kind of interesting. As we're seeing how the past story is connected to the present story, I'm just a little losing a little interest. And, and you know, maybe it's the the element of magic involved or whatever. It's just kind of, uh. and then we have Dr. Strange sort of here, which feels a little, little weird as well. Uh, I don't know. Think, I mean, things are, are moving along, but I'm just, I, I feel like, you know, it's, it feels like it's been more than six issues. I, I guess maybe that's it. I f maybe it's been dragging on a little bit. I don't know. Gang War Daredevil issue three. So we have Electra Daredevil, fighting Madame Mask and 
her assassin. What's her assassin name? Is it? It's not Belladonna, is it? No. Uh, Bellona, I think. So I, I mentioned, I don't think it's really a spoiler, uh, but it should be pretty clear on the cover. Maybe kind of, I mean, it should be clear on the cover. It's it's like the the other X-23 clone that we saw. I mean, we have uh, Gabby uh, Honey Badger. And, and then there was like her, because weren't there three other ones? And I think something happened to one. I don't remember what happened, but then there was one that had white hair, which is who we have here. So this is the other clone. And for whatever reason, you know, she's being an assassin for hire and, you know, she's working for Madame Mask and so she's fighting Electra and Electra, she, she kind of finds out the story, you know, there's just like, you know, villain monologue type of thing. And, and she tells her what, what the deal is. And so Electra, you know, she's like, Oh, we're, we're kind of alike. You know, I was used by the hand and I was used by stick and, you know, manipulated and all this. And, and she kind of wants to reach her. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it doesn't seem like it so far. But it, 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 it's, it's an interesting choice, and I'm kind of glad that they're using this character because, you know, where has she been all this time? And, uh, you know, we, we see Gabby occasionally, or we have, in, in New Mutants and other, other X-Men-related stuff. So it's almost like, is she dead? Is she, wh where is she at? So I'm, I'm glad they're using the character. Doctor Strange, issue 12. Uh, this was a strange issue-ish, sort of. It, it's focused more on Bats the dog, and, and I mean, I think everyone likes Bats the dog. Who doesn't like a, a cute ghost dog, Basset hound ghost dog that can talk? It's it's a little frustrating in a way because Bats, you know, he's he's a, he's a dog. He wants to be a good boy. He wants, you know, he wants, wants that affection, even though he's a little more than just a typical dog because, you know, he can talk and, and you know, he's, he can think. But he's like sensing something's off in in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and you know, like there's like some other presence that shouldn't be there. And Doctor Strange's like, oh no, he's like, I would know, you know, I, I would detect if something else was in here. But there definitely is something there because we're seeing something moving in the shadows. And Doctor Strange, you know, as, as Bats is trying to tell him, then Doctor Strange gets called away to this, or he's, you know, and and then stuff happens. It's it's not the happiest of ending, but it's not extremely tragic. So don't worry, but. Well, I mean, the the way it ends, it almost seems like, well, this might not be resolved anytime soon, and it better be, right? Fantastic Four, issue 17. So you look at that cover, we have, like, who are these archaeologists, and what what is this bone? You know, it's, it's, you're digging up something, there's a skeleton there, which, that's so kind of weird, that that skeleton is not fully representative of the interiors, I would say. So the cool thing here, we're, we're seeing Sue Richards. I, I think, I don't know if it's always been the case, but we found out recently that, that she's a bit of an archaeologist. You know, she has a, like a, a doctorate degree. And because, you know, now, now all of a sudden they're kind of referring her, like at one point she's like, that's doctor invisible woman to you. And it's like, they've never, I think they've referred to her as a doctor before. And I don't know if they've ever said, like, what her core... They must have said what her... Hers, I don't know. So there's this uh, strange discovery and a dig, or like a, in Arizona of all places. And she and the rest of the team go there, and they're examining the skeleton, and they're trying to figure out when it's... They're able to pinpoint when it is. It's like pre... 
like civilization was like right on the, the cusp of when uh, settlers or whatever people you know started moving to that area and the, the skull is a little you know there's no I, apparently there's no DNA in the skeleton which I thought the DNA wasn't can you not get DNA off of bones you I guess not right you need like bone marrow some sort of something like not liquid but something other than bone I don't know I never, I guess I never really thought about that because you, know, you figure, don't they say like nail clippings, you can get DNA off of nail clippings, but you, you what, you can't get DNA off a of bone? Is that true? Am I that much of a dum-dum? I don't know. Anyways, as they're examining, you know, Reed's like, oh, look at this, and this, and he's like that. Then he like kind of moves something. He's like, oh, here's a little fabric here. And he's like, great, Scott, this is unstable molecule. This is the costume I designed. This is one of us. <laughs> I didn't even do my my Mr. Fantastic voice from the Secret Podcast. Uh, so the, that question is like, wait, who who is this? <laughs> and then there's a funny scene where they're like, well, let's compare the skeletons. So Sue, with their permission, makes everyone's skin turn invisible so you can see their skeletons so they can kind of compare it and everything. And Ben has his dog there. And I, I was thinking, I was like, it would be hilarious if the dog sees all these bones and like wants to chop on a bone and they kind of... The dog kind of starts barking, and he's like, hey, settle down, Petunia, or whatever the dog's name is. So the question is, okay, this is kind of a bold thing, because this could be, if this is a member of the Fantastic Four, this is pretty definitive saying that one of them are going to die in the past. So obviously, at some future point, there's some sort of time travel involved. They end up going in the past, stuck in the past, killed in the past, something in the past. That's that's kind of sad that they're just there by themselves. It's like why why such a lonely death and what does that mean? And as as they're saying this, doing trying to figure this out, I was like, well, does it have to be one of the Fantastic Four? Like, what if it's you know just because it's unstable molecule? Like, what if it's like you know heaven forbid Franklin Richards or. Someone and the other thing is just because it's unstable molecule. Does Reed is he never going to give unstable molecule costume to other people? I mean, hasn't he? Maybe not. We'll just say uh, it is a member of the Fantastic Four family. So, and then oh, so what I was getting at, uh, Immortus is is involved here. No, is it Immortus? Yeah, and Immortus the no Pharaoh Pharaoh Tut. Ramatut, not Pharaoh Tut, Ramatut is in, involved with this. And uh, so Ramatut, different variation of Kang, which is still, so, so I, I know his story. I still get so confused every time I see a different version of him. And it's like, wait, who is he related to? Is he related to Reed or is he related to Dr. Doom? See what's going on. And we've seen young Kang. And it's like, wait, he's not. And what? And Nathan, is he already related to Nathaniel? Richards, no, yes, um, but R Rama Tut is—he's kind of hardcore here. That's—I I feel like I may have said too much, but it's like wow. So I, I actually I like that issue. The art was was a uh, the art was 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 I liked it um, for the most part. I would say so. The art is by Carlos Gomez. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. But I don't think Carlos. Gomez has been doing the art in the other issues, maybe. But there's something like the way some of the characters are drawn. Uh, like, 
I, I don't know if there's just a, maybe a slight inconsistency in, in a couple panels, but I really like the way Sue looked, like her hair. And then there's also the the colors. You know, I, I know I don't often go into the credits, and, and, I, and I should. So the color is by Jesus Abertov. And there's just like a really nice kind of warm, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to describe it. But I, I really, I really dug the art. But then Reed's face, the shape of his head seemed a little off to me. But what do I know? So, but I, I really like like the art and you know Johnny with his weird mustache. Uh, so, and Ramatut when you see him, you know it's it's I, I, I so for the most part I, I really like the art. So I, I thought that that was was cool. It made me just appreciate it. And and for all I know, you know they they could have been the create the artist team on a previous issue but something just kind of stood out here so i'm feeling like they weren't i could be totally wrong and you know whatever i'm a knucklehead as i say sometimes say so as i say often sensational she hulk issue five this is continuing where jennifer walters so she hulk in her jennifer walters guys you know deep howard uh carol danvers they went out with patsy walker they went to like her favorite club slash bar or whatever and then the demons start attacking and you know, trash in a place and they need to fight them off. And uh, and then, so we kind of see like what happens and not a whole lot happened in this issue. I mean, there, there's some stuff between Carol and Jennifer that could have an impact on She-Hulk's character if, if anything, you know, comes from that. So... But if, if that's the case, and that, that will definitely impact this series and what Jennifer's doing. So I, I don't know about that. And uh, But then it was just kind of, I guess it was fine, like a fine conclusion. But it was just kind of weird how it just kind of, didn't necessarily fizzle, but it just kind of ended. But there was closure. So, but maybe, that, you know, that that's kind of a good thing, the way they, they settled things, that it wasn't, like the obvious answer that there, there was a little something else. And then, yeah, so I, I guess it was fine. Uh, Star Wars Mace Windu, Windu, a mission before the rise of the Separatists in the Clone Wars. This was okay, I, I thought. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, this is slightly, you know, younger Mace Windu, not not too much. I mean, it, I don't think, I don't think it tells us specifically when, uh, and it's it's hard to say because when you when you look at the art, you know, is is he he looks like he could be a little younger, and you know we do see Yoda at some point, but you know there's really nothing that says is he really younger or is it just you know artistic interpretation that makes him look a little younger when and it wasn't necessarily intentional fully intentional. So you know there's there's this. Basically, there's this technology, this this formula, or whatever that can make ships go really fast, and in the wrong hands, it could be dangerous. It, like if the Huts got it, they can form blockades and do all this stuff like that. So it's like the Jedi, you know, they're like, we need to get it. Yoda's like, we need to get it and lock it away. So Mace Windu's, you know, and they were approached by the person who has the uh, an abundant like this formula or whatever. And but they also offered up, put it up for like the highest bidder type of thing. So Mace needs to go and get it before everyone else does. But there are other people after it. So it's it's a all right issue. Uh, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Uh, 
But I just, I don't know, I feel like there, there's like no big, real big stakes. And part of it is like, well, we have to assume he's going to be successful or, you know, it's not going to fall into wrong hands because otherwise that would change the landscape of everything, at, you know, to, to come after this. So I don't know. Thanos issue three. This is a, this is kind of weird. This is the, with the Illuminati and with Thanos taking um, Fresno, like pulling it off of Earth, and he's looking for death. And death, he's he claims that this human is death, death's persona transformed into this human. And you know what? What yet the covers like the Illuminati's, you know, secrets revealed. So do they have something to do with it? Ah, it's just yeah. I'm not loving the series. I'll just say that. Um, Ultimate Black Panther issue one. Um, I I know it's this issue is getting a second printing, so that could be a good thing. I mean, it sold out. I don't know what the the numbers were. Because that, that's the thing, and I hate to say it, but when, when a comic company announces something sell, sells out, it's like, what, what were the first orders? You know, if, if something just had like 50,000 in sales, it sells out, okay. But then the next book, you know, it, something could have had 75,000 and didn't sell out, so it doesn't mean the one that sold out did better. So, you know, it's, it's all about the numbers, not just about selling out, but that's also, I mean, and I, I think it was, I think it was Joshua Williamson. At I think I had asked him before about books selling out. Like I think it was like on a podcast, a super massive podcast. At some point I asked him. I don't know if it was in a regular video interview, but it's like you know, is it is it a cool thing? And because I kind of knew the answer, you know, is is it because of how sort of not misleading? I guess I could say not deceitful, but it's a little misleading when you hear a comic sells out. And he basically said, yeah, it's it's a good thing. But you, you, as a creator, you kind of don't want necessarily your books to sell out. Because if, if your book sells out, that means the initial orders weren't there. And that also means that people are kind of left not getting it. You know, they want it, but they can't get it because it's sold out. Yeah, if it goes, goes if, if the book goes back to another printing, new printing, they'll be able to get it. But they need that means they need to actually remember to get it. They need to commit to getting it. They might be like, "Oh, this book sold out. I was I heard it was good. Oh well, I'm gonna move out. I'm gonna buy, you know, Donald Duck and Friends instead." I remember when that was coming out. I wish is it still coming out? Creators don't want they they want their books to sell, but they don't want their books to sell. They want you to pre. That's why they they always go on. That's why. If you follow creators on social media, they're constantly telling you the FOC date, the final order cutoff. I think that's what it is, right? They want you to let your comic stores know, hey, I want this issue. I want this series. So then they'll order and, and they'll save you a copy. You know, you need to commit to picking it up. Don't, don't leave your comic store in the lurch. But they want people to be able to get it. These days now also, you know, there, there's digital comics. So if, if you, you can't get a physical, you can always read it digitally, but then some people are like, no, I want my physical copy, whatever. So going back to the, the main thing, Ultimate Black Panther, I thought it was all right. It was, it was fine. Uh, you know, maybe because Black Panther isn't necessarily my absolute favorite character, 
it's a different take sort of on a character, you know, different direction. It's, it is kind of interesting seeing how things are sort of set up and we're seeing, uh, I'll just kind of spoil this. T'Challa's like married right away. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, what does that mean? And uh, just his, um, t the T'Challa that we see is not the T'Challa that we know. You know, he may have skills and leadership and, you know, all this stuff, but he's like in a different place. I'm sure things are going to change, but it's it's kind of hard to say like what's going on. So I'm going to be, uh, you know, uh, let me throw this out here. So we see Black Panther on the cover. Is that necessarily T'Challa or not? What if it's not? What if it is? And then you also see like, wait, what's this on the cover? We see a moon and an eye thing. So there's something with Moon Knight, and I, I maybe that's it. Maybe I'm subconsciously like, I don't know if I like what you're doing with Moon Knight, with the the whole concept of Kanshu and Moon Knight or whatever. Not necessarily Moon Knight, but the followers of Kanshu. We'll see. So yeah, I I mean, also I think I just absolutely loved Ultimate Spider-Man. I thought that was just so brilliant, and I thought this there's some tweaks to the characters as there should be because we don't just want the same rehash but i was just like okay it's 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 fine it's it's interesting there's a inclusion of another character which i don't know if it's a spoiler but i i'm i'm curious to see where what they'll do with this character and and, and being able to just like start fresh from here so we'll see <laughs> venom issue 30 Oh my gosh, just, I, I tried reading this and part of it, I'm like, what the heck is going on? You see, like all these, there's so many symbiotes on the cover. Anyway, a couple of those look the same. What's going on? I don't know. And then, oh my God, <laughs> he's not on the cover, is he? I don't, is that him? I don't think that's him. <sighs> Mother trucking. <laughs> Mother trucking. I'm keeping it PG-13. Friggin' carnage pops in here. I don't understand. So I know Carnage has his own series, and I'm I'm staying as far away from that as possible. I don't know. Does that mean Carnage is alive? Is that series current continuity, or is it like some sort of weird flashback tribute to him? You know, he did recently fight Miles Morales, and that was like some weird stuff. So I think he's still kind of alive, but it's it's not. I don't think it's Cletus Cassidy. I don't know. I just don't like Carnage. <laughs> it makes me sad. Wolverine, Madripoor Knights. Uh, this was written by Chris Claremont. I started reading this. It, so it takes place, obviously, you can assume, you know, we see Captain America and uh, Blackwood. Was that issue 275? No, it wasn't 275. 289? I, I'm not even going to try I'm guessing. I, I, I could pause it, look it up. I'm not going to do that. But the issue of Uncanny X-Men, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Jim Lee. Jim Lee and Chris Claremont, where we got kind of get the flashback story with, uh, you know, young Natasha and and Wolverine. You know, Logan. This was before he was Wolverine. Logan and Captain America. Like the, I think it was the first time they met, and you know, saving Natasha as a girl as a child, and uh, then also we have Jubilee and Psylocke here in her Quanon body. So it it, it's, it was good, but then. I think, we, I don't know if this was one of the last comics I read, 
but then I was just like, I'm, I'm losing a little bit of interest here. So if there's a sec, I think there's a second issue. I, I think it, it's like to be continued. So maybe I just need to go back and, you know, kind of reread. Yeah, d wait, does it? It does say next, to be continued. So I mean, I need to give it another shot. That's just like the last few pages. X-Men 31. Um, yeah, more X-Men stuff. Right, trying to defeat Orcus, doing what they can. <laughs> Big old dope Nimrod, you know, trying to stop them. And um, what we don't see in a cover is a uh, Spider-Man is is also involved here, which was was kind of a nice addition. Uh, but it's weird that he doesn't get get the cover, maybe because he's not a mutant. But this was this was all right. Uh, yeah, I mean there there's. There's some things that were were funny that I I enjoyed and can appreciate, but it was um it was uh, okay. Um, at DC Comics, <laughs> Batman 142. What happened in 141? I mean, weren't we still doing the whole uh, failsafe stuff? Is I don't think that's that's over. I don't think that wrapped up. But you can see on the cover we got Joker. We got, is it Joker Year One? More Joker, Joker Red Hood. Uh, I, we just have way, way too much Joker, and uh, it, you know it's it's Chip Zdarsky. I I do trust Chip Zdarsky. I do like what he does, but I mean it's it's and part of it what, what like what is being said here or implied. And stuff that happened with like Matthew Rosenberg Joker, and then I I always like how does this fit in with Jeff Johns three Jokers? Does it fit in with three Jokers or not? Because I, I feel like while it's not always straight and clear cut, are they acknowledging what Jeff Johns did? Are they borrowing from it? Coincidentally borrowing or just straight up borrow? I I, just, I don't know, and that confuses me. So we'll see. I mean, it, it kind of jumps around, it's, and it's not just in the past, but there's there's stuff like almost future. Yeah, Birds of Prey, issue six. So this is uh, wrapping up the story with uh, Leonardo Romero is back doing the art, and you know what's going to happen? Are they going to be able to save Sin? You know, uh, Black Canary's sister, and what does this mean for the team? Is there I'll just say there probably is going to be another mission. We'll just put that out. And uh, so things are resolved, but are they fully resolved? And then there's a... There's like I, I saw like a, a headline. Someone kind of said something about like why Batgirl wasn't on the team. Uh, because she's not... I mean, the, the team is basically heavy hitter killers. Although, because even Cassandra Kane, you know, she's deadly. So I, it just seemed weird where, you know, you, you do find out why, I guess. But it's like, I didn't think it. There, I mean, there's another reason, I guess, besides the obvious. I don't know. Shazam, issue eight. So last issue, Shazam and Black Adam kind of got in a little fight and smashed the family house. And what is that? And so now the family has no place because they were going to sell the house to get a new new place. But now that they their house is gone, they can't sell it, but they also have no house. 
And what Billy comes to realize is if the, the foster parents have no home, they're not going to be able to keep the kids and they're going to get separated. And then they're all mad at Billy. It's like, it's not Billy's fault. But like, like Darla's like, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, man, settle down. Uh, Superman 78, I should get caught up on that. That's the fourth issue already? Jeez. Uh, Neil Before Zod, number two. I really, I don't like this, this series. The one thing I'm like, okay, is this in the present? Or the past? And the other thing, I guess I just don't care about Zod. So I don't know what they're trying to do. You know, are they trying to flesh him out? Why? Who cares? And the fact that wait, he has his, he has full, is it? I forget who his wife is. Is it, um, what's her name from the movies? Because then in the, in the Christopher Reeve movies, Superman 1 2, uh, Ursa, and then because there's also Fiora, for Fiora from Man of Steel. Ugh. But yeah, I just, I'm just, I, I, pardon me, I, I just don't care. I don't care what you're trying to do, Zod. Yeah. Um, and then, wait, what's this? Red Hood, The Hill, Issue Zero? I don't think I read that. Yeah. Um, Fire and Ice, I didn't read this because I didn't read the previous issue. And I, I, I'm okay with the series. I kind of like it, but I think when I'm just pressed for time, I, it doesn't feel like I, I'm compelled to read it. Like, I have to read it because I don't... One, I feel like, is this the final issue? Is this, it's it's got to be a miniseries. So it's like, do I need to read it? Because it's just going to end. And then there's that. Poison Ivy 19. I'm kind of feeling bad that I stopped reading this because I figured this was going to be a miniseries, but it's still going. And I think there's supposed to be like some like, more origin stuff. It's like, didn't we already know her origin? But maybe there's like a secret origin. I don't know. I didn't read the issue. You tell me. Uh, then there is uh, DC's How to Lose a Guy Gardener in 10 Days. And this ended up being like this oversized issue. And it was, I, I don't like these things, these, these um, anthology books. So there's Guy Gardner and How to Lose a Guy Gardner in 10 Days. This is by Kenny Porter, art by Nick Robles. It was, eh. so basically um, Vicki Vale is doing a story about dating a superhero and she kind of angles it she's like well i'm gonna pick like a really crappy hero that no one likes guy gardner and you know use that to write a story whatever uh then there's a red tornado robots are red androids are blue this is by aaron j walt k and ivan chavron um i when i was i was reading this i was just like uh, i'm not really feeling it so then i was kind of stopping and I didn't really read the rest. Because I was like, okay, what else is in, in here? I don't want to read this super long comic. Booster Gold by Danny Lore. Um, Art and Color by Ted Brandt and Rose Stein. The Flash and Too Many Dates. Uh, this was by Marguerite Savage. I should check that one out. Uh, Constantine Never Been Kissed by Alex Geller um, and Derek Charm. Plastic Man uh, by Dennis Hopeless. And Baltimore Rivas. Wonder Woman. Oh, did I? I don't even know if I. Yeah, I must have stopped there. I was like, okay, this is enough. And I just closed the comic. 
um, because there's a Wonder Woman story, Say Yes to the Mess by Brendan Hay and art by M.L. Sanipo and a Nightwing and Batgirl Date Night by George Mann, pencils by Leonardo Rodriguez, inks by Joe Prado and Jonas Trinidad. Yeah, so I just, I don't like stuff like that. I didn't read all that. And then there's a Suicide Squad killed the Arkham Asylum or something like that. This is supposed to be a prequel to the game. And I started reading it, then kind of skimming it. And it's it's better. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is for a video game. Pass. But then I was like, well, maybe I'll just flip through it a little bit. And it, it was... It was <laughs> Is is better than I thought, but it was still just just okay. So, if you're looking forward to the game, you should definitely check it out to see like what that means. Because uh, they, I was I this I think pretty sure someone gets killed right away. It's like wait, so this character is not going to be in in the game. So there's that. But that is also that's going to be comic books for the week. Then um, you do something a little different just because of you know not being. Uh, a lot of TV stuff. I want to talk about b- very briefly. I, I've talked about books before. But I want to talk about uh, a novel, The Endless Vessel. So this is by Charles Soule. So the connection is, as if you know, Charles Soule. He he's written a lot of comics. He's written a lot of Marvel comics. You know, he's and he's currently doing like a lot of Star Wars stuff. Is he doing? I don't think he's doing Darth Vader. I think he's doing like the main Star Wars. He's done some of like the High Republic, what are that? Those other New Republics, Old Republic stuff, and um, I, you know, I've I've been lucky to interview him a couple times. He's a super nice guy, and uh, you know, super smart. You know, and, and you know, the whole thing is like he's a lawyer and he's a writer and you know stuff like that. Smart guy, and this is uh, now I could be wrong with this. I'm, I feel like this is his third novel, but I could be totally wrong by that. And if he's done more than that, I apologize. But so I finally finished this one because I think this came out last summer. I'm feeling it was in June. Doesn't because I, I thought I saw it June six somewhere. But it feels like has it was it has it been out that long? And I'm just finally finishing it now. It's a uh, okay. Let's let's, let's just let me read this because I, I I always worry about giving way too much so here's um i'm trying to find like i, I just picked some, one there's so many w- websites that come up like different like book sites uh so this says combining the wonder of the midnight library which is a good book uh, by someone else the inventiveness of ready player one and the artistry of cloud atlas this novel by the best-selling author of the oracle year which is good and anyone which is good explores the way we're all connected and what can happen when we lose our capacity for joy? So there's some some heavy stuff in in this book. It's 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 weird. Um, a, a few years from now, in a world similar to ours, there exists a sort of depression plague that people refer to simply as the gray. No one can predict whom it will af- afflict or how. But once inflicted or infected, once infected, there's no coming back. So that's kind of scary right there. Um, a young young Hong Kong-based scientist, Lily Barnes, is trying to maintain her inner light in an increasingly dark world. The human race is dwindling, and people fighting to push forward are increasingly rare. One day, 
Lily comes across something that seems to be addressing her directly, calling her, asking her to follow a path to whatever lies at its end. Is this the endless vessel to happiness? She leaves her life behind and sets out through through time and space to find out. Is this official writing? And now I'm wondering, is like, is this the website this website? I'm looking at, at bookbrowse.com. So I don't know if this is because that space and time thing just seems off a little bit. From his opening heart-stopping scene in the present at the Louvre in Paris through its earthly meetings between Lily and her loved ones past and present to a shocking and satisfying conclusion in, in, in a truly enchanted forest, Charles Soule has channeled history, science, and drama to create a story for the ages, story of hope and love and possibility. This is a novel you will not soon forget. Maybe that was their review. But it says book summary. Um, so yeah, so that that maybe says a little more than than I intended. But it's it's a it's, it's a good book. It's it's weird. And I I so I said it was it was bonkers in in a good way. Um, so I I I don't normally tweet stuff about about books I read. But what I said is just finished Charles Soule's novel The Endless Vessel. It's pretty bonkers in a good way. Soul does some great character and world building here. It's very ambitious with some nice payoffs and twists. There are also some freaky events and a great message about humanity. So I, I really enjoyed this, and uh, it's it's weird, you know, because it's this slight future, because of this plague and stuff like that, and that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be like flying cars or weird, you know, there's nothing like that. So it is very similar to what we have now, but then. At some points, it kind of veers off. It's like, at one point, like something happens. It's like, what is this? What does this mean? This, uh, um, I'll just say, th- th- there's a, a a character. There's someone. There's someone that they call the garbage man. And I, I, I was like, what? And then, then what's what's weird is, and then at one point, it kind of veers off and it goes into the past. And you know me and old timey stuff. and it's just like wait is this a different book what's going on and then then you you start to see what all this means and it's such a huge important part of of the the story at the ending and then it comes back to the present and it's just like like whoa but basically you know there's this kind of like a terrorist group that is attacking that and there's a whole concept of joy and 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 a lot of it is basically they're they're the way they're kind of looking at things and this is something that's not mentioned that summary but it's kind of like their their focus is you should be or their their directive their their thought is that you should be focused on the present like don't get hung up on what might happen in the future and don't like dwell on the past so like all these other things are irrelevant so they're they're really trying to get people to just focus on now so they're they don't want all this other stuff around and these it's things just start building and building and getting like more serious with how they're trying to achieve this thing and so you know the big question is like well what's your final you know how far are you willing to go to like accomplish all this because it's just seems like it's a it's 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 just it's a bit much and uh it was also interesting um you know one thing that that came up uh, like last week at my school, 
um, the area had no power because you know it rained a lot of storms and uh, you know I I think I think it was like power lines going down or whatever. And that really, you know, kind of thinks it put, makes you think about like where we're at when we have no power, no electricity. And then if you try to amplify that, it's just, it's a little kind of scary in, in a way. So that is sort of kind of touched on a little bit and, and, and way further. So it's, it's a really interesting, fascinating book that I, I, I recommend. So The Endless Vessel by Charles Soule. Okay, then uh, there's a show on, on Prime called has been hotel it's a an adult um uh animated musical comedy and i hadn't heard anything about this so this is created by vivian uh medrano vivian Vizipop medrano and apparently there was like a pilot episode to, i think it's on youtube i didn't see it and i don't know i mean obviously i i you know, i watched two episodes so far and i'm okay with you know with what's going on uh, but i think that pilot episode's out there so you can see that and i, I think they kind of i don't know if, if they funded it um like independently and then it, it got picked up from there so I, I i'm not too sure about that but it's also um produced by 824 which is like oh that's interesting you know they're doing animated stuff and the the way i came across this is so when I on, on entertainmentfish.com when I do the amazing art picks every week or most mostly every week, uh, it's one artist Alex Medellin. He draws almost like a, a, a some random character every, every day, and some of them are just like original characters, like uh, this fairy or this dragon girl or whatever. And sometimes he'll draw, you know, certain characters like here's Spider Gwen or here's whatever. So he drew this character, uh, Charlie Morningstar. And I was like, like, who's this character? And then he said something about Hasbin Hotel. I was like, what is that? I was like, is this some, some anime that I just don't know about? And then I, I did a search. I was like, oh, this is a prime show. This just started a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I should check that out. And cause you know, like the, the, the character designs are, are interesting. And so what is this about? I mean, I'm out, I, I can talk, I can do a recap in the first two issues so you can see if you're interested. But basically, it, it follows Charlie Morningstar and she's trying to create this hotel in hell to get people from hell to kind of become rehabilitated. Because the, with the the war whatever going on between hell and heaven is you know there's a big concern with hell becoming overpopulated so they do this like extermination call like every year to, to dwindle down the numbers uh let's just get, get to it first issue first issue first episode overture so we, we find out we, we get kind of like the the whole history of how this works so basically heaven's ruled by beings of light you know, Lucifer was one of these angels. He was a dreamer, but he's seen as a troublemaker. They felt that his way of thinking was dangerous to the world order of their world. Uh, you know, he watched as the angels began to expand the universe in their ways from the dust of earth. Then they created Adam and Lilith. Um, they were equals. They were first of mankind. But despite this, Adam demanded control and Lilith refused to submit to his will. So she left the garden 
and then um, drawn by her fierce independence, Lucifer found her, and then the two rebellious dreamers fell deeply in love. So together they wish to share the magic of free will with humanity. So obviously this is Angle making Lucifer seem like, you know, he was wrong. He's a good guy here. So offering they offered the, the fruit of knowledge to Adam's new bride, um, Eve, who gladly accepted, but this gift came with a curse. For the single act of disobedience, evil finally found its way into earth. With it, a new realm of darkness and sin and the order heaven had worked to maintain was shattered. So as punishment for the reckless act, heaven cast Lucifer and his love into the dark pit he had created, never allowing him to see the, the good that came from humanity, only the cruel and the wicked. So ashamed, Lucifer lost his will to dream, but Lilith thrived, empowering demonkind with her voice and her songs. So there's surprisingly, like, there's a lot of songs here. Not a lot, but very surprising. And the, the numbers of hell grew, as the number of hell grew, so did his powers. So threatened by this, having made a truly heartless decision, every year they would send down an army, an extermination, to ensure hell and its sinners could never rise against them. But Lilith's hope remained, and her dream was passed down to their precious daughter, the princess of hell. So... We, we see Charlie Morningstar, and she's like, don't worry, Mom, I'll make you proud. Um, so you know, she was basically telling this whole story, it was like narrated by her, and she says that. And then there's someone listening, someone named Vaggie. <laughs> and so Vaggie, pretty sure, is like her girlfriend. You know, it, It's not directly mentioned, but I, I think that that's pretty pretty clear what, what they're, they're getting at here. So... Um, and I, I think Vaggie's also supposed to be like the hotel manager. So Vaggie asks if she's heard from her mom yet. She's like, no. And then she's like, well, how long has it been? And Charlie's like, not that long, only seven years. So she's like, she's off doing important work. She's like, I'm sure. So that's something that I don't know if we'll find out this season or not. Like, where the heck is her mom? Where's Lilith? You know, why has she been gone for seven years? And But then Charlie's like, but this kingdom was something she really cared about, something I care about. I just hope what I'm trying to do here will work. And then Vaggie says she's, that she's sure it will. But then there's this other demon dude, Alistair. Um, he has something to show them. So she's like, come on. So Alistair is narrating this commercial. He's like, do you like blood, violence, and the depravity of a sexual nature? Of course you do. That's why you're in, you're in hell. But what would you say if I told you there was a place to stay that had none of that? Welcome to the Hasbin Hotel, a misguided path to redemption founded five days ago by Lucifer's delusional daughter, Charlie Morningstar. Or Charlotte Morningstar, he says. Um, Come place your fate in her inexperienced hand as she tries to work through her daddy issues by fixing you. Here we offer fun things such as a somewhat functional staff, 24-hour pest control, custom rooms, and just look at this tacky parlor. So you see like this bathroom and this is not, not that nice looking. Enjoy riveting conversation with our singular resident. And then it's like all this and more. The Hasbin Hotel, your last desperate attempt at salvation starts here. And then he's like, so what do you think? And Vaggie's like, I'm sorry, what the fudge was that? Vaggie kind of reminds me a little bit of like Poison Ivy and the Harley Quinn animated show. It's like just a kind of attitude. Almost sounds the same. It's I know, I'm pretty sure it's not. And then Charlie's like, uh, yeah. She's like, one note, first of all, 
Um, so first off, thank you for so much for making this seriously amazing. Um, but uh, maybe the tone is a bit off. We want people to want to come here. This makes it look, um, and Badge is like bad. It's like the word you're looking for is bad. And Alistair's like, funny, I was going for hilarious. And Vag is like, it didn't explain anything about how we're trying to save demons from extermination, which is the whole fudging point. So a lot of swearing. It's not for kids. And uh, Charlie's like, Vaggie is right, Alistair. The commercial was to let sinners know that we are trying to help them. And he's like, well, my dear, I haven't been active in health for some time. Everyone remembers me for my radio show. And Vag is like, when you showed up a week ago, you told us you would help run the hotel and said you're mocking us. And then, uh, like, a hand on a sofa goes up. So it's this character, Angel, Angel Dust, I think. If in, yeah, yeah, filming a commercial, can I suggest you take a better advantage of this talented celebrity you have right here? And Badgie's like, Angel, you're a porn star. And he's like, a famous porn star. I'll have the horniest sinners knocking the walls down to get in. And Badgie's like, we are not filming a porn as a commercial. And Angel's like, why not? Sex sells, don't it? And then uh, Charlie words it that, you know, she appreciates Angel wanting to use his talents, but she doesn't want to exploit him in that way. So she's trying to, she's trying to politely saying, no thanks. Her phone rings. So, so it's her dad. It's Lucifer. So she goes in the other room to take it. And we see this dude, Husk, he works behind, uh, he, I think he's in a bar and he says Alistair is forcing him to work there. So Angel wonders, he's like, well, why can't he force people to stay at the hotel? And Vag says that that's not what they're doing. And, you know, he says, you know, then what's what's the point? They're in hell. So it's kind of the end of the road. And she's like, you know, it doesn't have to be. Just because no one's ever made it out doesn't mean that it can't happen. So Charlie in the hall on her phone, she excitedly tells her dad that she can, um, she's like, yeah, I can totally do that. She's like, I'll head over there right away. So she calls Vaggie over. She's like, you know, her dad just called, you know, the leader of the angel army wants to meet. He asked if she can go instead. And Vaggie's like, but the extermination just happened. You know, what could they want so soon after? And Charlie starts singing something about, it almost sounds like, like a Disney tune. She's like, I can do this. Somehow I know I'll get heaven behind my plant, whatever. So she goes on something like, you know, something tells me this could be a happy day in hell. And she's like out in the streets. The citizens out there, they're like, they're pretty ghoulish and everything. There's, you know, just, it's hell. But she's singing this like nice pretty song and this pretty voice. And it's just weird. And obviously that's what they're going for. So she reaches like this big building. Uh, the elevator opens after she has to sign, like sign in, whatever. And uh, the angel leader is Adam. And he's like, sup? And she says, you know, it's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. And he says, like, oh, it's nice to meet you, too. He extends his hand, and then her hand kind of goes through it. He's like, ha! He's like, I, I, I fudge and got you. He's like, did you fudge and see that? Because there's, just like, this other angel there. He's like, he's basically, like, a major jerk. And she's like, wait, you're not here? He's like, no, you think I'd come down here? And he laughs. He's like, no, I mean, I love the vibe, totally. I love your tunes, but it's such a bummer, man. And she says that, you know, she's happy for the opportunity to meet. Um, there's this project that she's been working on that she really wants to talk to him about. And he's like, hey, 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 slow down. So we got time. He's like, you hungry? How about some lunch? This is my personal favorite. So he holds out a plate. She reaches for it and it goes right through it. He laughs. He's like, ah, he's like, I got you again, bitch. 
Back at the hotel, Vaggie tells the others that Charlie's doing something important. So while she's gone, they're making a new commercial. Adam, he's going on and on. He's like very full of himself. And then she's like, wait, are you the Adam? And he's like, yeah, whatever. So she tries buttering him up, you know, that she's sure that he'd love to put his name on, on something, you know, solve their big problem. At the hotel, Vaggie's struggling to get the others to do their part. And when she tries turning the camera on Alistair, it's like, it's kind of fritzes out and she has to drop it. And he's like, this face was made for radio. So it's something like it can't be filmed or seen. It's like, it's kind of interesting. You know, what does that mean? You know, are we going to see more or is that it about that? So then she says that, you know, that's it. She's like, I don't care, you know, who or what you are. If you're staying here, you're going to make this work. And he's like, let's make a deal. If I you know, do this for you and you never asked me to work with this, you know, frivolous television technology ever again, or Charlie can come back to absolutely nothing. So that she's like, fine. And then, uh, she puts the camcorder in his hand and it, it, it goes and, like some spirits kind of float around it. And then he like snaps his fingers and then the others appear along with like some other demons, like doing like the lighting and holding a boom mic and, you know, etc. He's like, all right, everyone, let's make a fudging commercial. Adam is still going on. And, you know, Charlie, she's just like, Ugh. and, you know, he's talking and talking. So like taking someone out for like the fifth time and they expect him to pay to check. And then she ended up, you know, rub. she's like, no, our shared problem of overpopulation in hell. He's like, oh, well, that's not a problem. We got that covered. And then he says to the other angel whose name is Loot. It's like, Loot, how many demons did you kill this year? And I think Loot's a girl. I think she's like, got a good 275 this year, sir. He's like, whoa, awesome. And Charlie's like, no, not awesome. Those are my people. You know that, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, must suck for you. Ha, 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 She's like, but these are souls, human souls. It's like just the same as, as the ones you have up in heaven. And Loot's like, they're not the same. They had their chance, and they earned damnation. And Charlie's like, you're wrong. Sinners make mistakes, sure, but everyone makes mistakes. And Lute's like, angels don't make mistakes. And she's like, you really think that? Lute's like, I know that. And then uh, Adam's like, yeah, I never made a mistake in, in my fudge in life. The only reason you're still here is because daddy gave you and your hellborn kind a pardon from an exorcist blade. He's like, so how's that feel to know how little you, you matter? And then, and then he's like, whoops, you know, almost out of time. Guess we should get into it. So she says that she feels that he wasn't really hearing her before. So here she goes. So she has like a crude stick figure drawings and she sings like a quick version of the happy day in hell song. Adam like cuts her off and he's like singing, starts singing too. So she's suggesting that they, you know, they like climb up the ladder across the pearly gates. He's, he even like sings a guitar solo. <laughs> so basically hell is, is, is forever, whether you like it or not. So he's like, see you in six months, even though, you know, we just had an extermination. So things that, so that's basically his whole point of being there coming down is they want to have another extermination in six months instead of a year. She returns to the hotel. Vaggie greets her, asks her if they listen. And she said, um, then, you know, she's like, yes, she has something exciting to show her. So Charlie's surprised that they made a new commercial. The commercial starts, but it's interrupted by breaking news. So they're like, ugh. So they just received word that the next extermination is happening sooner than they expected. So we see this angel ship like flies and it finds like this decapitated angel. So Lute tells Adam that they found a body. 
And Lute's like, you know, they never managed to kill one of us before. We should just go down there now and destroy them. And Adam's like, no, no. He's like, we can't risk them catching on. But don't worry, when we come back, there won't be a demon left alive to put, pull a stunt like that again. So they have reason to be concerned now. If, if an angel was killed, who killed the angel? And what does that mean? Okay, then the second episode, Radio Killed the Video Star. Charlie talks to the others about the extermination is coming sooner than they thought, you know, but they can handle it. Uh, she says that they just have to look a little harder for a way to make this work. Angel says that everyone's like losing their poop, so they're, they're getting desperate. Vaggie says that, you know, maybe desperate enough to try anything to escape extermination. Charlie's excited. Alistair asks if she's really going to go out in all this panic. And she says, well, it's not like they're knocking down the door. And then there's an explosion. And there's like this big like blimp or something with, with guns in the sky. Uh, the person inside is Serpentius. He dramatically demands um, that Alistair show himself. And so then he like he pops up on the ship and he's like, he's, he's already there. So then he's like, come and face my wrath. And then Alistair's like, who are you? He's like, who am I? Who am I? I am the great Sir Pentius, you know, inventor, architect of destruction, villain extraordinaire. And, uh, you know, Charlie, Veggie, and, and Angel are listening. So I think they're like all right there. What, you know, I don't think they all popped up there. And then Alistair says that if that were true, he would have heard of him. And then Sir Pentius is like, we've done battle like 20 times. And Alistair's like, well, he must have been really bad at, at this. And she's like, silence, now cower, for when I've slain you, the mighty Vs will finally acknowledge me as their equal. So then Nifty, the little demon girl who's like, does the extermination, kills the bugs. And she's like, ooh, wait, who are the Vs? Alistair's like, oh, nobody important. So we see the Vs. Uh, they're like at Vox Tech Enterprises. So there's Vox, Velvet, which is spelt with like two T's and an E at the end. And there's also another, so there's two dudes, Vox and then Valentino and then Velvet. So Vox talks to this reporter about uh, the new extermination, mentions that they're pleased to announce the Vox Tech angelic security is coming soon. And he's like, you know, trust us with your safety. And I, it's like, is he hypnotizing people? So then the, the assistant asks, you know, when do they start working on the angelic uh, security? And he's like, oh, about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Vox teleports um, over to Velvet. He, he, and then he goes to Valentino, and he's mad about something. So he's mad because Angel walked out on him. And, you know, he's like, I made him. You know, without me, he'd just be a big bag of meat with some mildly entertaining holes. Okay, this is not for the kids. So uh, Vox, like, he quit. And he's like, no, worse, he moved. He's living with Lucifer's daughter. He wants to, uh, so he wants to go over there. He has this like big pistol. Vox says that, you know, their band is, brand is perfection. So what does he think, you know, going around chasing horrors will do to it? He's like, fudge it up. And he's like, right. He's like, do you want people to think you can't control your employees? And, you know, he's like, hey, you still have him under contract. He's like, he isn't going anywhere. So you should, and, and Valentine's like, do nothing. He's like, you know, Angel is the only one spending time at this ratty hole with the devil's princess. And Vox is like, well, who else is there? Someone who owes us money? And Valentine's like, someone who owes us more than money. The radio demon is there. And Vox kind of tenses, like his nails, like, 
like carbon, you know, claw at the, at the desk. Then he's like, what did you just say? Alistair came back and he's with Lucifer's daughter. And that wasn't the first fudging thing you told me. And Valentine's like, hey, killing Alistair is your kink. So Alistair is like with Serpentius. His, uh, his coat gets torn a tiny bit. So he's going to go to a tailor. Veggie gets him to help fix the damage. And uh, then he like sums up some demons uh, to get make that happen. Valentino has a new camera watching them. So Vox is outraged that Alistair is, is back you know, because it's been seven years. What's with this, like, seven-year stuff? So he needs to send a message as to who's really in charge now. So he starts singing. Alistair sings some, too. And then, you know, he he's back on, on, on the air. Vox is a video podcaster. So he says some stuff about a change in format. He manages to get them to lose power and their signal. So Vox tells the other bees that Alistair's getting close to the little Princess Morningstar. So their main concern now is ensuring that no deal is ever struck between Lucifer's brat and that smiling freak. So, you know, maybe they need to get someone in on the inside. And then they're like, well, would Angel do it? And Valentino says he won't even return his calls. So Vox says that they need someone who Little Miss Bleeding Heart would take in. And Velvet says, you know, someone pathetic, someone desperate with no direct ties to them. Then Vox thinks he has just a person. So we see Charlie's exhausted. You know, they can come in, Angel's like, how'd it go? And and Vaggie's like, not a single new recruit. But then there's a knock at the door, and it's Serpentius. So Vaggie, like, pins him down with the spear. It's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm not looking for a fight. It's like, I heard you're helping people who want to be better. And then Charlie hears this, she gets excited, and she, like, you know, jumps up, and she's at the door. So she starts bringing him in, and Angel's like, wait, what, are you freaking nuts? He was just trying to kill us literally, like, six hours ago. And now you're going to bring him, you know, in this, to live with us? And she's like, absolutely, this place is about second chances. And who deserves one more than this uh, slithery, slippery, special little man? Then Angel asks, you know, isn't she, like, supposed to protect this place? So she shows him around. And then when he he comes face-to-face with Alistair, who comments that, you know, he's the one that ruined his jacket, Charlie tries uh, turning this into a teaching moment and, and, you know, making him better by apologizing. So he apologizes, he gives Alistair like a piece of the jacket, and Alistair's like, no one's been able to get this much off me, so it must have meant a lot. And then he just ignites it with his fingers and it just burns up. So Charlie wants to play a game so everyone, you know, everyone can get to know each other. And she's like, my name is Charlie, I like to sing, and when we get to know each other, it's the greatest thing. And then she points to Serpentius, and he like does a rhyme. Angel's like, this is stupid. <laughs> and then later, they're reading lines from a play that Charlie wrote, apparently. So Angel's supposed to be like this, you know, like a drug dealer. And Serpentius is like a little kid with like this big lollipop who says no to drugs. And is going to go home to have to not have sexual intercourse before marriage. And then Charlie, <laughs> like, sounds like, it's like, oh, you did such a good job and everything. And Angel's like kind of getting bummed that, you know, that that uh, Serpentius is getting like all the attention and everything. So he's like, I'm going to bed. Then Angel checks his phone. He has several messages from Valentino. He plays one. And he's like, oh, why don't you come home and everything? It's not, not the same without you here. He's like, I miss you. The next one's not straight. It's like, yo, yo I'm going to kill you. And all this like that. The next one's kind of mixed or whatever. Then his voice at, asks him if he really thinks he, he can change. So he's like, wait, is this a hallucination? He goes downstairs to get a drink. 
He sees something like Zippa had a corner of his eyes. It's he, and he sees Serpentius putting it like a camera, like on the shelf between some books. So he slams open the door. It's like you slippery little poop. And Serpentius gets like nervous, and he's then uh, he, uh, Angel's like you're working for the V's. He's like I fucking you knew there was something poopy about you, and he's like I don't know what you're talking about horror bug. And Angel gets angry, like knocks him down, starts like punching him. And Charlie and Veggie get woken up by noise. So Charlie's like, what's going on? And Angel's like, this little bitch is, is a traitor. And Serpentia's like, preposterous. I would never betray you. You are my best friends. And Angel's like, uh-huh. Then explains this. Shows them the camera. And he he freaks. So Serpentia's like, ah, ah, abort, SOS. Agent Pentius in need of immediate evacuation. And then on the screen, on his wristwatch box, is like, Pentius, wait, you were caught? And he laughs. He's like, hasn't even been a day. And he's like, please, you got to get me out of here. And Vox is like, I can't believe we thought you could handle something like this, you know, something this simple. Do me a favor. They don't kill you. Go ahead and do it yourself, you miserable failure. And he's like, you know, make it quick. So Veggie's like, you know, gladly. So he like curls up in a ball. Charlie's like, wait, and starts singing. You know, the path to forgiveness is a twisting trail of, of hearts, but sorry is where it starts. Serpentius sings too, you know, because he doesn't deserve it. Angel and Veggie want to just kill him. Then the song becomes a duet, and when it's over, like, little Nifty, the maid, she's like, I hated that song. She's like, why are you so lame? Not, you know, not a bad boy. And Charlie's like, it's a good first day. Let's get some rest. They all leave the room. Alistair comes out of the shadow picks up the dropped like wrist TV communicator thing. Vox answers. And he's like, what? And then Alistair's like, you'll have to try harder than that next time, old pal. And that's where it ends. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I, so far, you know, it's only two episodes in. I can't say I love it. I, I am really curious about where this is going. It is kind of interesting seeing... Uh, a story focused in hell trying to twist things a little bit where you know they're not as evil and demonic or whatever even though they are evil demons and that um the the character designs are the colors are nice the songs are are, are catchy and very, like i said very disney-esque so we'll see um as as i i said at the beginning uh depending on what else is going on if if there's nothing else I'll, I'll talk about a couple more episodes just to give you a taste for it. All the, the, the whole first season's out on, on Amazon, so you can check it out. And uh, if you're watching it, let me know what you think. Because, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious. And if there's nothing else, I'll keep watching it. If something new were to pop up, then I might say, okay, pause. I'll come back to this later. But I'll watch it for now. All right, then, with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So, as I, as I mentioned... The entire season's out, and I thought, I, you know, it, it, this is my big dilemma. Do I cover the show? Do I cover, cover the whole season? I don't I have time. I can't, even though there's, there's no other shows that I'm watching, I can't watch eight episodes at once because when I watch, I don't just sit and watch. You know, I, I take some notes. It's, it takes away the enjoyment a little bit, but that's just what I feel I need to do in order to make sure I present all the information because there could be something like maybe a character appears, maybe someone says something or maybe they go a certain place and then 
that that could be a big deal. Maybe that that plays a big big part five episodes from now or something. So I'm, I'm constantly, as, as I watch, I, I may pause it so I, I, I can, you know, jot down something or note something. So it's, it's a whole thing. And then I also feel like if I were to talk about like the entire season, I would have to do just like a rough overview. Maybe that's what people would want. Or I don't know. Or maybe people like the in-depth because maybe if you're watching it, maybe you miss something. Or maybe you're interested, but you don't have time to watch, but you do want to hear what goes on. And then there's some people, I've, I've, I've had some people, and I'm like, you're crazy. Some people want the spoilers. I've had people that will, will look at or hear my spoilers, and then they'll watch the show. And I think that the, you know, it's understandable if, if someone's like gets anxious about certain things, because you, know, you, you want... You want to know what's going to happen. You don't want to be sitting there on the edge of your seat. You want to know everyone's going to survive or this is going to happen. Okay, so so you have that. So with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I'm going to talk about the first two episodes. And I'm a little on, on, on the fence with, with, with the show. With Donald Glover, so I know a lot of people love him. I don't really have an attachment to him. You know, I didn't watch... I always forget what, what he was in. Was was I keep thinking he was in Atlanta. Was it... Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is it? Uh, I I don't know what show he was in, uh, and uh, yeah. So um, a lot of, a lot of people love him. That that's fine. He was he was good as Lando in in Solo. I I really wish we would get another Solo movie. And you know, if we're gonna get a young Lando movie, that that's great. I I'm, I'm and with this show, it's it's interesting. You know, he I, he is a likable character in here. And it, it's interesting, just based off the first two. So we'll, we're just going to base off the first two episodes. We, when we meet them, they're not the most likable characters at the beginning, but then you, you slowly start to see, you know, the, the qualities that they have. And with John, John Smith, he becomes more. I, I would say he's more likable earlier. Um, Jane, not so much at the beginning, but towards the end of the second episode, I, I feel like you do start to warm up to her a little bit, you know, or, or she kind of lets her guards down. So it's, it's an interesting approach because based off the beginning, like even off the first episode, I guess there's enough to kind of hook you into it, but it, it, it's weird that, you know, it's, it's cause you have to care about the characters. And I, I think with something like with the movie, you know, when you had Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, those are people that people, you know, people would go to see the movie just for them. So it didn't matter what characters they're playing. So I don't know. But then, you know, maybe there's some people that are watching this because of Donald Glover, you know, they, they whatever they whatever he anything he does, they're going to they're going to watch. So you could have that. But it's an interesting approach with with, with the characters. I'm also I, I kind of wish I would have watched the movie again because I, I enjoyed the movie. Uh, you know, it's it's been a while since I've seen it, but I just don't know. I, I feel like. I'm thinking, and I could be totally wrong. Wasn't it that they were both like secret agents or something like that, but they didn't know that the other one did they know that each other? I so now I'm starting to wonder. It's like, did they know that they were each going on their own missions, and then at one point they, the mission is to take out each other or something like that? Maybe that was the case. I don't know. So let's just get started. Um, the, the surprising thing is this episode starts off with Isaac Gonzalez. Uh, and, and the closed caption just lists her as woman. She's sitting on a porch and then 
man, her husband comes out. It's Alexander Skarsgård. I'm like, what? They're in this? So he sits next to her and he's like, oh, one last, the last bottle or something like that. They, they look a little concerned. And then you hear there's like a beeping noise and there's this car coming off in the distance. They go inside. They they grab some bags. They they you know they load. He like loads an assault rifle. You know she's like I can't keep doing this. You know running away. And then so they smooch. And he's like then we stop running. So he hands her this big like assault rifle in the bathroom. He he grabs a shotgun and he, you know he loads it up. There's like shotgun shells in the medicine cabinet. And he tells her he's to, to draw the fire, draw their fire, and he'll flank them. But then there's there's this noise. There's a choo. And, and she like turns around, he got like just shot in the cheek. There's like a little, you can see like a entry wound on, on his left side. But then oof, he like kind of turns and you see the right side of his face is like, poosh, it's like nasty, you know, just from the, the, the exit. And he like falls over. The house starts is like under fire. She like ducks behind his shelf. Uh, the man, you know, Alex, he's like bleeding out, just a pool of blood by, so he's gone. And she's just like staring at him. And then it's a cool shot and it's cool scene and everything. And she comes out, she's shooting, you know, she has, uh, you know, she just shoots and then she has like a, a machine gun, like assault or whatever, like tucked under like the, in the wheel well of a truck outside. So she grabs that, she's shooting, but then she gets like shot in the neck and then she's out. And then the shooters get back into the Range Rover and they, they leave. So it's like, wow. Then we see Jane Smith. So she's played by Maya Erskine. And she's sitting in this big room. She gets called. She goes in this other room. She like logs into this little computer, weird computer thing. And it's like, insert nail clippings here. So it's like Trey pops out. And she puts like this little Ziploc bag in there. And it's like, how tall are you? And then she's like, 5'4". There's like a little camera on her. And then it's like, types out, what ethnicity? She's like, half Japanese, half scottish white and then a question comes up are you willing to relocate and she's like yes i'm, I'm really willing to relocate she's like i don't have a lot tying me down i'm organized you know i think i'm efficient she has a master's degree they asked about caa she's like no she got close but she didn't make the cut um and she's like they said i had a had antisocial tendencies it's like okay then we see john smith donald glover He's like, it looks like the same room or same type of room. He inserts his nail clippings. He says he's six foot, and then he kind of corrects himself. He's like uh, uh, 5'11", and then, you know, ethnicity, he's like uh, African-American. And, you know, would he relocate? He's like, absolutely. He's like, for the right opportunity. He says he had some basic training, uh, like hand-to-hand combat. He's like, I wouldn't call it a dishonorable, uh, no, but, you know, they can call it whatever they want to. So he must have been dishonorable discharge for something then it's like have you killed people if so how many he's like um one accidentally and 13 on purpose cuts back to jane she's asked you know how much money does she currently have in her checking account she's like i prefer prefer not to say but uh fourteen thousand. it's like wow and john's like ooh, uh he kind of chuckles he's like i think uh i have 366 and like some change he's like but i'm but i'm not desperate then we, we see them both check out this apartment. There's like this elevator. So Jane got in the elevator just as, as John walks in. We see her checking out a closet full of clothes. Um, there's like this full stock bar that, that John checks out. Um, there's like this indoor pool. He calls it a plunge pool or something like that. Jane's, you know, back to the interview. She's like, oh, that's a hard one. She's like, I love food, uh, um, pasta, and maybe just a really good Korean. And then John cuts to him. He's like, Korean barbecue. He's like, I like them both. 
And then the question pops up, what's your worst, worst quality? And she's like, probably that I'm secretive, which is interesting because you know, we, we, we do see that. And he, he says, uh, I'm competitive, too competitive, which I, that seems like, feels like it's a fake answer, you know, trying to make yourself look good, you know, whatever. Then um, he remembers another question. He's like, uh, if, if I remember correctly, uh, she said I was emotionally unintelligent. And Jane's like, I believe it was uh, numb and manipulative. She's like, but that's good for this, right? And then she, then she's reading next scene. She's like, I love you out loud. And then it cuts to John. He's like, yeah, I've said it to, to two women and my mom. Does that count? And she's like, no, never. I, I've definitely felt it a, a, a couple times. And he pushes a button for the elevator at the apartment. It comes down and Jane's in there. And they're like face to face. And she's like, hi. He's like, hi, can I come in? And she's like, yeah, uh, please. So he gets in. She's like, I'm Jane. He's like, I'm John. So then they have this box. There's like this fancy bottle. And it says, good luck on your first day of marriage. John finds a bunch of guns. Uh, like there's like this painting. There's like this hidden like shelf compartment in there. Uh, they turn on the laptop. And there's only like one icon on desktop. It's like a messaging thing. And then it, it like pops up. Hi, hi. It's like one word. H-I-H-I. So he, he re, it, it tells them to follow this woman, meet her at a restaurant. Um, it's called Orsay at 12 p.m. Sit near the bar, intercept package immediately. And it gives these coordinates. And then it says, have fun. So they wonder, who, who is she? You know, who could she be? And, you know, maybe a foreign spy. Um, John opens this big envelope. There's like driver's license, banking card, uh, carry permit, marriage certificate. There's this little envelope that has her wedding rings. And he's like, uh, we're married. And they like chuckle. He says it's weird. And she asks um, if you want to take the main room. And, and then this cat walks in. And she's like, oh, oh it must have come with the house. And at the same time, he asks her if she'd like to have a drink. But she, she's, and she just says, you can take the, you know, the master. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just really tired. It's like, I'll see you in a meeting. Because he's like, no, 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 you, you take it, whatever. So, um, She's like, you know, then he's like, oh, nice to meet you. So in the morning, I think it's morning, maybe it's late, you know, he, he does some yoga. He, he makes this big thing of like scrambled eggs, it looks like. But, you know, later he says he doesn't eat breakfast. So maybe it wasn't morning. I don't know. Then he sees like this dirty pan, like caked with food sitting in the sink. Obviously, it bothers him a little bit. And then it's like, must be later, it's night or whatever. He gets ready for bed. He can hear the TV um, kind of loud. So he goes and knocks on her door. He's like, uh, I didn't know if we we're supposed to say goodnight or not. And she looks at him, she's like, you lost your shirt. And the, the cat's sitting on the bed. He's like, oh, you guys move fast. And she's like, yeah. And he sees a, a watering can. And he's like, oh, you don't have to water the plants. They're, they're on a timer. And then she's like, oh, I, I have trust issues. He's like, well, uh, it's like I have an app that says if you're overwatering. So he like, takes out his phone. He like, takes a pic. He's like, uh, I can report back. And then it's like kind of awkward or whatever. And he's like, uh, good night. And, and then he like leaves. So she goes back to watching TV, and in his room, he looks at the picture that he took. And, but it's 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 basically a picture of her and a cat on the bed. He crops it down to it's just her, and he does like a reverse Google image search, probably to like try to find out some information about her. Next day, they go to the restaurant. John sees a lady. They you know they're scoping her out. Uh, you know they they get a seat kind of by her. She's like really enjoying her sandwich, like passionately eating or whatever. She's reading on her iPad. They you know John kind of looks at it. And it says, 10 places to travel alone. She's like, hmm. Then he asked Jane if she applied for high risk. And she's like, yeah, you? He's like, yeah. He's like, I, I just felt like it'd be something different for our first mission. 
And she says, you know, maybe they're just easing them in. And he asks, he's like, how'd they get you? And she like looks at him. He's like, recruit. He's like, how'd they recruit you? She's like, there was an email. And he's like, yeah, I, I thought it was weird. They didn't mention that we'd be paired until the last interview. She's like, I know. It's like, I think it's pretty smart though. You draw less attention as a couple. You're less likely to, to defect if you rely on a partner. It's an old KGB tactic. And he's like, is this uh, your first time in New York? And she's like, nope. And he's like, uh, what was your name before Jane? And she's like, it wasn't Jane. He's like, okay. He's like, uh, just trying to make conversation, sorry. And then she's like, have you ever killed anyone? And he's like, okay, um, no, no, not really. And she's like, really? He's like, no, how about you? She's like, do I look like I have? And he's like, a little, yeah. And she's like, no, I don't. He's like, you got killer eyes. You got predator eyes. And she's like, what? And then he, he keeps trying to get like some information. And he asked about New York. She said it was for a school trip. You know, she ditched it so she could have pancakes with a pedophile. And he's like, what? And he like almost spits out his tea. He, she got coffee, he got tea. And then, then she curses, like she's leaving. So they have to leave, you know, have to chase her and follow her. Then she's sitting on this bench in a park and this, this younger guy like comes up to her and is like, is that her son? And she's like, boyfriend? He's like, no. And then he's like, are you ex-FBI, ex-CA? And she's like, something like that. Then he's like, you get thrown out? And she's like, something like that. So she's really not not giving him, him, him any, anything. Then he's like, okay, he's like, let's go over to basics. So they're just sitting on a park bench while you know trying to figure out what, what to do. He's like, I'll take out the trash, but I don't like ironing. And she's like, I like to read to get to sleep. And he says that um, I do the dishes while cooking. And she's like, hmm, military boy. And he's like, mama's boy. And she's like, okay, what's your worst trait? And he's like, I can't lose an argument. And she's like, no. He's like, yeah, it sucks. I'm always right. And she's like, well, what do you think happens if we fail? He's like, we won't fail. Then they see the lady give the kid like some money. And, you know, he starts, he looks at her and he starts kissing her. And then she laughs because she was right. And he's like, okay, okay. He's like, I didn't see that coming. Where? But then she starts moving. So they follow her. They go on a subway. They follow her to this building. There's like this, it's like a theater. And he's like, he says that he'll distract them if she finds a way in. So he'll, he'll text her. And then they realize they don't have each other's numbers. So they type their numbers in each other's phones. And then he, he moves to like tuck her hair behind her ear. She's like, whoa, uh, she's like, just so we're clear, I'm not in this for the romance. And he's like, it's uh, an earpiece. He's like, is that okay? And she's like, yeah, sorry. So then Jane goes to walk in. She grabs a ticket out of this other lady's hand. And then the dude's like, there's only one ticket here. And she's like, mom, where's the ticket? And the lady, you know, she's like, you, you took it. And, and she like, she's like, I don't know you. Cause then she's like, ma. And she speaks to her in Japanese. And then she says to the dude, she's like, can you help my mom find her ticket? She's like, I have to help my dad inside. And she's driving me crazy. And so luckily this lady was Japanese too or whatever, I guess. So she goes in there and just like that, she smoothed in, you know, she sold this lady's ticket basically and, you know, left them out there. And the lady's like, I don't know what she's talking about. Inside the theater, uh, it's like a, there's a play and it, it's already on. Jane manages to find her target and you know, she sits down. John tries talking to her through the earpiece and he realizes a flaw in her plan because she can't talk back. And he tells her just to, to text him and you know nothing's happening then he he just starts talking so he asked if the pancake thing he, she mentioned was real or if she was just messing with him and she texts she's like yeah i was 14 
And then he's like, hmm, and what happened? So she responds, some guy, Buddy Love, invited me and my friend Dina to get pancakes. And he's like, Buddy Love? So he's talking while, you know, she's just listening. He's like, I don't know. It's like, I think you're messing with me. It's like, how old was he? She's like, 40s, late 40s. And he's like, um, it's like, I don't know. Feels made up. And she's like, no, we were hungry. It was a public place. He's like, yeah, nothing bad ever happens in public, especially in New York, right? He's like, so, so what? what? What happened? She's like, we ate pancakes. He paid the check. John's like, hmm, that's nice, I guess. So how did the date end? She's text, she writes on, on her phone. We parted ways, then died laughing once he was gone. John's like, that's very sweet of you to wait until he was gone so you, know, you didn't hurt his feelings. And she's like, we weren't monsters, John. And he's like, no, I wasn't calling you and Dina monsters. You, you know, I can't tell if the story is true or not, but it, if it is, I know everything I need to know about you. And she like, kind of chuckles lightly. Then she notices the lady's leaving and she has this brown like cardboard box. And, and she, so it's like, did she get a coat check? Like what, what's, what's going on? So they follow her and she asks, you know, what's the plan? And, you know, because they were told to intercept the package immediately. Do they just grab it? You know, he's like, no, we have to be discreet. And he's, he's like, I have an idea. So he tells her to keep an eye on her. And then they're, um, they're sort of like in this, it's a New York, not really a mall, but it's like a little like store, you know, there must be like, I, I don't know, you know, there's a bunch of like little restaurants or like, uh, like Asian markets or whatever. And I don't know if they're in Chinatown or anything like that. And uh, Japantown, <laughs> I don't know. It's racist, right? I don't know. I'm sorry. But he, he looks at uh, the empty boxes outside of like stores. You know, he's trying to find something that like looks similar. And Jane's like, she, she went into a cell phone store and bought an Android. And then she's like calling someone with it. So he finds the right size box and he kind of empties some paper. And the lady behind the counter, she like gets mad. He's like, can I have this? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, what if I buy this? There's like some big like tree decorative, like something on a counter. Jane's like, she ditched the phone. And then he's like, you know what, she's like, what are you doing? Then she sees him like at the store, like buying that. She's like, Jesus, are you shopping right now? And she's like, she's exited. So they go after her. He gives the box to Jane and says that she's going to jump to her left. So he takes off his jacket and um, runs up to to her. He Then he kicks this guy's like little display. He has like drinks or something like uh, outside of the inside of a building. And he's like, talk to my daughter again. I'm going to beat your mother truck and ass. And Jane, at that moment, bumps into the lady, knocks her box down, and the lady's like, what's wrong with you? So Jane's like, oh, so sorry. And you know, she picks up the box and rushes off. So it's like they're kind of lucky because they don't know the weight of the boxes. You know, they have, obviously have to make sure it's similar because otherwise she'd notice right away. So the lady picks up her box, and she kind of pauses. She looks at, back at Jane, but Jane's gone. So it's like, did she realize right away or not? On the subway, they're talking about what happened. He doesn't know he, what, what he said. And she's like, you said something about your daughter. He's like, I did? And she's like, why? He's like, I, I don't know. He's like, you can't be mad at someone protecting her daughter, right? She's like, that, 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 that was good. He's like, it felt good. And she's like, what do you think is in, in the, the box? And he's like, well, it's pretty heavy, probably like a military-grade weapons or something. And she's like, yeah, or encrypted hardware. She's like, who do you think they are, the company? And he's like, who cares? We get a plunge pool. <laughs> and he's like, the, the way things are, like, I'm happy we have a job. You know, I have a question. Why'd you do this if it's not for the romance? And she's like, nowhere else would take me. He's like, huh. And she's like, and free theater. He's like, if it makes you feel any better, no one would take me either. And she's like, it does. So then uh, flashback to interview questions. Would you be willing to sever ties with your past? And she's like, no contact with anyone. 
And John's like, um, like even my mother? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't have a problem. And she's like, you're going to pay me not to talk to my dad? Where do I sign? So they walk to the coordinates from the drop. It's like this big fancy house. And she wants to peek in a box. He's like, nope. So they walk to the door. The door's kind of cracked open. So they walk in. And there's a dude sitting on the sofa. Jane's like, uh, we have the package. So he calls off, there's a package. And so he's like, we're back here. So they walk in the kitchen. The lady's like scolds her. I'm just like, put, some, put on some pants. Come on, let's go. And then she sees the, uh, Jane and John. And she's like, just in the nick of time. Opens a box. There's this metal box inside. She opens a clasp. There's a cake. And she's like, well, it's a little damaged. Maybe 50% discount. I mean, that doesn't come out of you guys, does it? And they're like, no. She asks if she's like, can, can I get you a drink? Jane says yes. John says no. But you know, he's like, you know, they have other deliveries. So they leave. They go outside. And she's like, a cake? And he's like, we're not supposed to talk about it. She's like, I know, but he's like, we're not supposed to talk about it. They walk a little bit. Jane's like, that better have been a delicious fudging cake. And John's like, they're probably diplomats, and there's an ingredient in the cake that they can't get in the States. And she's like, yeah, but then why? Boom. Explosion behind them. It does a fair amount of damage to the house, and, like, the cars, like, the windshields all, like, you know, shatter. They, like, look, they get up, they start running down the street. It just seems like it's a little obvious because, <laughs> you know, they're a little disheveled. They're dirty, you know, from the explosion and, you know, all the dust and whatever. So they're, they're, it's like already being followed. They duck into the shop. They, they cut through to the back. And the guy's like, hey. They hop this fence. Then they rush for a second. And he has like a bloody hand. She's like, let me see your hand. And she like rubs it on her forehead. Then they knock on the back, like a kitchen of a restaurant. And he's like carrying her. And, you know, he says that they need help. So they go in the bathroom. And then it's like, this, wouldn't someone call the like for ambulance or like that? So he's going to go out the window because it's like opens to this alley. He tells her to go out the front and meet back at the house. Then uh, he stops, kind of laughs, and he's like easing us in, and she laughs too. So then later, you know, she's looking at the phone, nine killed in house explosion. So she takes like an Uber or something like that. She gets home, takes off her boots. She's got like blister on her foot. She goes to her room, and John's like lying on the bed. And he's like, oh, I came in to say goodnight, and Sped sucked me in. And she's you know, sits on there. She lies back and he's like, this bed is amazing. And she's like, yeah, horsehair. It's, it's made out of horsehair. He's like, wow. And then she's like, so you're still not intrigued. He's like, we did the job. We finished the mission. That's all we were asked to do. And she's like, and if we'd stayed 30 seconds longer, he's like, it's high risk. That's what we signed up for. Then he sees a cat. He's like, we got to name that cat. And she says, Max. He's like, Samuel. I love Samuel. And she's like, no, I think Max suits him. He's like, yeah, Max, just sounds like a dog's name. It's a cat, so it's got to be something regal. I think we should compromise. There's, there's got to be a name. And she's like, I love compromising. I really do. And I can't wait to compromise on everything but Max. Then he's like, Max is your cat. Like, you brought him from your house. And she's like, yeah. And then they both start laughing. And he's like, I lied. Back at the cafe, I have killed people. I, I worked some of the, the first drones in Afghanistan. He's like, I'm not proud of it. And then he's like, I'm going to go to my room. And she, then she's like, hey, it was Dina's idea to get pancakes with Buddy Love. I was terrified the entire time. He's like, okay, good night, Jane. And she's like, good night, John. Then back to the interview, she's like, wow, a whole new life? I'm okay with that. That's the end of the first episode. So, okay, not, not bad. Episode two, second date. 
this Jane wakes up, reaches over to bed, calls out the Max. It, he's sitting outside. John's like meditating or doing, you know, something like that. Uh, he must have just done yoga. Then she decides to look in a bag under his bed. He walks in. He's like, what are you doing? And she's like, going through your stuff. Uh, what were you doing? He's like, I was meditating. And she's like, huh, oh, that's cool. She's like, do you do that every day? And he's like, I-, I used to before I thought somebody might go through my stuff. And then she, she took out like a ball on a string and cup thing. And he's like, it's supposed to be good for hand-eye coordination. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's Japanese. And he says that his dad was stationed, you know, while there. So she says that she's gonna go out, grab some breakfast. He's like, okay, I'm gonna go through your stuff. And like chuckles. And she's like, do you want anything special? He's like, no, whatever you want. So she goes, she gets a couple bagels. He does go in her room, but then strangely, he opens her laptop. There's like no passcode on her her laptops. I'm like, what? Like, no, who does that? So he just opens it. You can see what she was looking at. There's like a shopping tab and like maybe another shopping tab. And then there's like some like lesbian porn or something like that. And it's like one of them, he starts playing the video and one talks about like basting the other, like, like they're cooking or something like that. Then the doorbell rings. Jane walks up to their building and this dude's like, hey, do you have a cat? And she's like, no, why? He's like, well, one's been destroying my plants and uh, pooping in my yard. And she's like, again, she's like, I don't have a cat. And he's like, yeah, my dog is, is eating the poop and it's, it's gross. She's like, yeah, uh, maybe you should train your dog not to eat poop. And he's like, um, I don't know if you can, can do that. She's like, yeah, you should be able to train dogs or anything. Then he comments, he's like, you have a garden too, right? Like up on, on the roof? you know, composter up there. And he's, he's like, I don't, I don't mean to be nosy, but you know, I'm into interiors and I live next door. And he asks, you know, what, what does she do for a living? And she's like, I'm a software engineer from San Francisco. And he's like, what about your husband? And she's like, is this an interview? He's like, no. And she's like, we do the same thing. We work together. And then uh, blah, 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 other stuff. So inside John's at the window. He's like, what's up with that guy? And she says like, I don't know, but he's kind of hot though. And he's like, cool. And he's, she's like, he's definitely watching us. And then she asks if he's jealous because he sounds jealous. And he says, I just don't think that, you know, my wife should uh, say the neighbor's hot. And she's like, yeah, but I'm not your wife. And he says, he's like, I know that. Then he wonders if the co- company wants them to, you know, he's not saying they should. She's like, no, we should keep it separate, similar, uh, you know, simpler. Then he says that, she got him breakfast and he's like, I don't usually eat breakfast. You know, I, I wait till noon. And she's like, oof, she's like, you're lost. And she's like, mm. Then he's like watching her eat. Should I try it? And she's like, mm-hmm. He tries it. Oh my God, that is very good. She's like, I knew you'd love it. Then she's like, did you actually want to get married in, in real life? And John's like, uh, yeah, there's something nice about being committed to like another person. I think being able to come home at the end of a poopy day and, you know, just uh, kiss someone and make it all go away. She's like, then uh, why, 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 why go down this path then? And he's like, money. And she's like, me too. Then she's like, we should make a pact. He's like, I love pacts. She's like, okay, good. Me too. I think let's make a, a certain amount of money that we both feel good about and then leave, you know, part our ways, live our own lives. And she extends her hand. He's like, okay, sure. And he's like, no sex? And she's like, never. He's like, I kind of want to have sex now. So I, it just seems this w- weird. <laughs> then uh, 
he's like, like, we got a package from Mr. Hi Hi. So the laptop, John reads, hi, hi. He's like, welcome back. For your next mission, attend silent auction, black tie event, dress to impress. Step one, identify a high bidder of Warhol's silver car crash. Step two, administer a single dose of truth serum. Do not exceed single dose. Uh, and there's like three pens in this box. And then re record any and all information that they give you. Please follow a few rules. No casualties. Absolutely no witnesses. And he's like, he wrote that last bit in all, all caps. Seems like it's uh, pretty serious about that. So they leave. She's like in this red gown. He's in a tux. They drive in a Range Rover, another Range Rover. And I don't know if they see, does that mean something? It could be. When they, they get out, you know, he kind of pauses. She's like, what's wrong? He's like, he looks and sees like some people loading stuff up. He's like, I'm going to go scuff up my shoes. And she's like, why? He's like, I'm going to go in as, as catering. And she's like, uh, I, I think we should stick together. He's like, if I go in there, I'll probably be like one of six black guys who probably all know each other and I won't be able to move around. This is better. He's like, trust me. And she like, like, okay. And then he's like, can you check in my, my suit jacket? And she's like, why? He's like, it's Gucci. So then she goes in the bathroom. She puts on like the syringe in her garter belt, which seems like it'd be hard to access with a long flowing gown. She goes out, sees like the painting, scans the barcodes. It's, it's I think it says like 106 million. Then John comes and offers her a drink. And she's like, you're so annoying. Cause you know, he got in that easily. And he says, uh, he's like, well, we got in. So she's like, all you have to do is bid and I'll keep an eye out, out for a friend. Then he mentioned that they can use the comms. And she's like, how are you supposed to identify the highest bidder at a silent auction? And he's like, how about some old fashioned spying? Then he's like, mole lady, 7 million on a Warhol. Sweaty boobs, 10 million. She's like, oh, Jesus. She's like, please, never give me a nickname. And he's like, American Psycho, 50 million on the Warhol. He's like, I'm going to go check Angela Lansbury over here. And she can hear him, like, then someone's like, oh, what is this? You know, they're eating the food. He's like, oh, it's olive pudding, you know, hors d'oeuvres or something like that. And Jane's like, you're a natural disc. Like, if the spy stuff doesn't work, you could have, you know, another career. He's like, I think we have a winner. So there's like 52 seconds left, I think, like that. Someone's bidding. So he moves closer, and his stomach grumbles loudly. This guy's, he, you know, he looks at him, and he's like, oh, sorry, you know, long day. He's like, you have all those treats on your plate. You should at least have one. So it's John Turturro. And he says that, you know, they, they need to get him alone. So he tells Jane to say something funny, and she's like, well, she questions that. He's like, yeah, you know, be alluring, like, you know, seduce him or something. And she's like, what? And she's like, he's headed towards you, so just just go. So John looks him up. And he's like, I knew I recognize him. He's like, that's Eric Shane. He's a real estate mogul. He owns half of the Upper West Side. And then she asks uh, the guy, she's like, Mint? And he doesn't hear it at first, and she said it again. John, he's like, net worth, $15 billion, no spouse, no kids, no current address. And then he lists this one formal address. And she asks if the dude... Uh, if he lives on that street. And he's like, I, I miss that place. And she's like, I knew you looked familiar. She's like, I was your neighbor. He's like, hmm, really? He's like, yes, uh, you do seem familiar. And then she's like, so anything catch your eye? He's like, it is a silent auction. John's like, we got to find a way to get him alone. And she sees him fix the bow tie of this other server. And he's like, no, that's better. And John's like, WTF? Then the dude's like, this is all boring. What a boring way to spend money. And Jane's like, if that were true, 
you wouldn't have been on Warhol. And he like looks at her. She's like, it's the only one worth bidding on. It's a moment of death, repeated, frozen. And you know, she reaches for the syringe. He's like, Jane, what are you doing? You can't stick him here. Too many witnesses. He's like, maybe I should come in. You know, you might not be as tight. So she tried convincing him to sell it. Uh, dude goes away. You know, she goes up to him. She's like, I have an idea. Why don't you and I go someplace private and we can pay one of the waiter staffs to do whatever we want? And then he's like, and who would, would that be? And she kind of like gets him to look over at John. So the three go upstairs and it's uh, like there's this room up there, an apartment. It's, it's pretty fancy. So he hands some money over to John. And John look kind of looks like he's he's uh, scowling. Then he's like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "Get on your knees." Yes, very good. Then he's like, "You too." Next to him. So she was like about to take the syringe out, and he's like, "Closer, closer." And he's like, "Put your faces closer. Get on all fours." And he's like, "Open your mouths. Stick out your tongues." This is like getting weird. And he's like, "You're both dogs. Two dogs meeting in a park for the first time." with no one around. John kind of snickers. He's like, be serious. He's like, let's resume. And then the dude starts like panting. And so they, they both start panting. And then he's like, intimately engage with each other. They kind of move towards each other, sort of like sniffing each other's butt. <laughs> and then they start barking. Then he's like, now kiss, still as dogs. So they, they kind of like touch their mouths. He's like, again. And he like gets close to them and he like barks. And then they look at each other and kind of nod. And then they both inject him. And, but it was only supposed to be one and one injection. So then he screams out. He's like, what was that? He's like, what did you do? And he's like, it's like then he's, you know, he gets up. He's like, why are you looking at me like I'm a big, big giant? John's like, are, are, are you okay? He's like, I'm a little horny, I think. Also, very, very frightened. And Jane's like, do we uh, just listen until he gives us something useful? Then they try getting him to sit up. He like yells. He like, runs out of the room. He goes back down. So they're you know because they're like right above the auction. So they follow him. Then he goes up to this microphone. You know there's like there's a guy up there, and you know he says that he bid a lot of money tonight. Um, the host says that he's like he says his name. He's like you don't have to announce yourself. He's a silent auction, and he keeps going about you know all the illegitimate money that he has. You know, he's like billions of it. He's like, and I don't feel bad about it at all. He's like, is that weird? Uh, and then, you know, he he's mentions uh, some some other guys who use the island or something like that. And he t he's like one. He's like, no, that's the other island because like, one's for embezzlement. And he says something about a sex trade. It's John. He's like, he starts recording on on his phone. So then then they they take him out because they're they're worried that he might be having a bad reaction or something like that. But then it's like John didn't get his, his check jacket that he was so worried about. So they're driving. You know, they can't take him to the hospital. They, so they take him to their place. They're trying to, to keep him up, you know, because they, they can't let him you know, pass out. He mentions, uh, John's like, you know, look for an EpiPen. And she can't find one. Then he says that, he's like, there has to be one. It's a medical kit. The dude starts talking. He's like, you're lonely. He's like, I got into this business because I was lonely too. He's like, I was with this woman I didn't like very much. But we got married. I mean, uh, you know, I, I liked her warmth that night. He's like, last I heard, she died. Before that, she had my baby. He's like, I have a daughter somewhere. I don't ever think about her. I think it's bad because I don't feel bad about it. John tries getting to drink some water. He's like, I've got no friends. And John's like, we're your friends. He's like, no, no, you're not. 
you want what everyone wants. You know, you, the government, First Nations, all these fudging people want one thing. And he's like talking, talking, talking. And he like slumps over. I guess he's dead. And so they didn't find out what he was going to say. Jane's like, uh, who takes care of the body? And John's like, we do, I guess. And she's like, okay. Uh, you know, she's like, he's like, we'll bury him in the garden. And she's like, the composter. He's like, yeah. But then she's like, how is he going to fit? So one of the things, going back, when he says that he's lonely, that he's like, they're lonely, he's lonely. So at first it's like, did, did, he, did he recognize him? Did he get into the, did he do something similar to whatever just program that they're in? And then at this point, I was like, okay, he's dead. But it's like, but is he really dead? You know, they're going to bury him or compost him. But is he really dead? They take him up in the elevator. Uh, they take off like his shirt and pants. They put him in the bathtub. And John's like, you know, you break arms and I'll break the legs or something like that. Or maybe they're going to do one each. And she's like, okay. She's like, can we cover the head first? And he's like, yeah, good, yeah, good idea. Puts a towel over the head. I still keep waiting for him like, to start moving. They decide to do it together on three. Snap is gross. And John like, uh, you know, he, like dry wretches. And she's like, don't do that. And he's like, uh, you know, like, almost again. She's like, if you bar five bar, stop. So he, uh, he must have been dead because they must have finished. They drag him in, a, in a, like a bag up at a rooftop. They open a composter. And she's like, do you feel bad? She's like, I feel really bad. And, you know, they just stare at the, the composter. So next day, John sits at a laptop. There's a tra- he, you know, he's transcript all the stuff that he, you know, he, they heard about the other people, you know, about some people like taking pictures or sending pictures, you know, taking uh, whatever, you know, certain pictures of their, their junk, sending it, sleeping with interns, whatever. Uh, then how he mentioned that he got married, has a kid, doesn't think about, claims the government wants something from him, but didn't say what. So he just wrote down everything. Then he's like, mission complete, plus one casualty, sorry. And then Jane, I don't know, what this is something that might be important later. She puts like a blue marble into this jar and there's a, another marble in there. So I was like, what was that about? Then Jane finds John in the basement. She's like, oh, so this is where you went. Uh, and he's like watching cartoons. And she's like, did you sleep? He's like, nope. So he hands her like some checks mix or something like that. And she's like, is this a knockoff Tom and Jerry? And he's like, my mom would never let me watch the violent stuff when I was a kid. So this uh, k- kind of thing relaxes me. And she's like, I don't think, I don't really like violent cartoons. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah. He's like, that's surprising. And she's like, why is that surprising? He's like, I don't know. Uh, I thought you might be into that kind of thing. And she kind of chuckles softly. And it starts laughing. And he's like, you a-hole. And she's like, you snooped on my computer. He's like, you a-hole. And she's like, you're sick. And he's like, you're in. He's like, I'm sick. He's like, you set up a trap for me. And she's like, yeah, but I, and he's like, cannibal porn. And she's like, you think I am actually into cannibal porn? He's like, yeah. And she's like, I caught you. You were spying on me. He's like, you didn't catch. You trapped me. And she's like, oh, yes, I did. He's like, you're so you're so fudged up. He's like, I'm not the weird one, okay? And she's like, well, it worked. And they both kind of chuckle. And then, you know, watch a little more cartoons. She's like, you know they had to redub Mammy Two Shoes because it was so racist in the original cartoon? And he looks at her. He's like, who's Mammy Two Shoes? She's like, the one in the slippers who's like, you know, now it's like a, a white woman that's just like, you darn cat. But um, it, it was really bad. So they, they dubbed it with a white woman. He's like, uh, what's the original voice sound like? And she kind of laughs. She's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, do it. And she's like, no, it's, I mean, you know. He's like, no, I've never seen it. She's like, like it, you know, it was racist. But, and he's like, but what kind of racist? 
And Jane's like, she was just like in like the heavy drawl. She's like, oh, Jasper. He's like, you get out. <laughs> and when I say out, I mean O-U-T, out. And she kind of laughs as she like finishes. And he like looks at her totally serious. It's like, is he offended? And then he starts laughing. They both laugh. She's like, oh, my God, you scare me. He's like, oh, yeah, the fear in your face is so real. And then, he's, then finally he's like, what a poopy day. And she's like, yeah. And then she's like, do you want to kiss me? And she's like, not, you know, just not as dogs this time. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll kiss you. So they move closer. They kiss. Then they end up on the floor. And then dun, dun, dun. Cut to the laptop in the kitchen. Mission incomplete. One fail. Two fails remaining. And that's the end of the episode. So it's a little better getting there. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, the third episode is uh, First Vacation. So maybe, see, but the thing is, you know, all these episodes are out. So I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll do some more next week because I don't think there's anything else starting up. So uh, we'll see. But, I, I, you know, I, I think I, I liked it so far. I just wish it was week by week. Okay, and now the movie feature is Lisa Frankenstein. <laughs> um, as I mentioned last week, I had to decide between Lisa Frankenstein and Out of Darkness. It turns out Lisa Frankenstein has a Rotten Tomato score of 50%. Out of Darkness has a Rotten Tomato score of 84%. Hmm... Uh, Out of Darkness has an audience score of 60%. Lisa Frankenstein has an audience score of 73%. So it seems like the audience like Lisa Frankenstein more, the critics like Out of Darkness more. Now, Out of Darkness, I, I mentioned, I saw the trailer once, which was surprising when I saw Godzilla minus one minus color the second time, the, the, well, the one I actually saw it. And it's just to me, I it, the the movie just it just seems kind kind of kind kind of boring. It seems kind of generic. I I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of curious, but it, like I, I mentioned earlier, it's taking place. Um, see, okay, here's the thing: a small boat reaches the shores of a raw and desolate landscape. A group of six have struggled across a narrow sea to find a new home. They are starving, desperate, and living forty five thousand years ago. First, they must find shelter, and they strike out across a tundra waste towards the distant mountains that promise the abundant caves they need to survive. But when night falls, anticipation turns to fear and doubt as they realize they are not alone. I don't know what's, what's after them. Something's like hunting them. There's this one part in the trailer where there's like this black ooze stuff. I don't know if it's some mystical stuff. I don't know if it's an alien. I have no idea what it is. It just... I don't know. And the thing is, if this is 45,000 years ago, they look really good. They look like super clean and, and clean cut. They got these nice haircuts and everything, you know, clean shaven, which, yeah, you can shave. Okay, fine, whatever. But they don't look like they're 45,000 years ago. So I, I, I don't I don't really know. It could be a good movie. I'm not trying to to knock it or criticize or poke fun at it. Um, I don't even know who, who directed it. Andrew Cumming directed it. And uh, so it, it could be cool. You know, like I said, 84% Rotten Tomato. That, that's good. Lisa Frankenstein. <laughs> it's a coming of rage love story from acclaimed writer Diablo Cody, who wrote Jennifer's Body, about a misunderstood teenager and her high school crush 
who happens to be a handsome corpse. After a set of playfully horrific circumstances bring him back to life, the two embark on a murderous journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts along the way. Yeah, so I was like, I'm going to go with Lisa Frankenstein. Because it has Catherine Newton. I, I, I like Catherine Newton. So Catherine Newton was in um, Ant-Man and, and uh, the Wasp Quantumania. She was also in that freaky movie, whatever. It was like a Freaky Friday with Vince Vaughn where they switched bodies. And I, I think that movie is hilarious. And she's just, I, I feel like she has just a really good personality. She's funny and everything like that. And, and that, that shows in this movie. This also has Cole Sprouse, as, as you, you probably know him from everything that he's done. Um, it also has a, a Carla Gugino in there. And um, it's, uh, I, I, I feel like the easy comparison, and I, I, I'm hesitant to say this because I feel it's, it's too easy and too obvious. And I'm sure so many people are saying this, but I, I haven't read like other reviews. But it's basically, it, it, it has an 80s vibe. It takes place in the 80s. So that's kind of cool, I think. But it's basically, it's kind of like Edward Scissorhands meets Heather's. You know, you have the Edward Scissorhands a angle. You know, you have the girl and, and the the weird dude. And then the Heather's part, because things get kind of dark. And it kind of gets surprisingly dark. And it's like, whoa. It's like, okay. it's it, The movie's a little absurd. You know, like one of the things that happens is, you know, Catherine Newton, Lisa, her, her mom dies. And it's it's kind of a horrific death. You know, it's it's not necessarily something to make make light of. And then her dad gets married right away. So she, you know, she has this stepsister, which is like, a, you know, she goes as a cheerleader at her school. And, uh, but it's just like, it's just kind of absurd the way it happens and, and just little things here and there. And, you know, it, it kind of goes through the whole thing where she's, you know, she's in a, in a weird place. You know, her mom was killed. She's, she's kind of sad, you know, whatever. And, you know, she's not the most popular person. And, you know, whether, you know, you want to call her emo or whatever, this or that, uh, it's just, you know, she's kind of a loner in a way. You know, she doesn't have a lot of friends as, you know, like her, 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 whatever sibling, <laughs> you know, there's like this dude that she likes, who's like the editor of the school paper. And, you know, so she's, she <laughs> uh, I, there's a, a it's a, such a bad joke, but whatever, I'm not even gonna say it when her, when her, her stepsister is asking does he play sports or whatever? And and she's like, no, he's cerebral because you know he's he's you know he's more he's smart. He's which is weird because he is kind of has like long hair, whatever. He, so he's supposed to be like a good looking guy and all that. But you know, it's he's not into sports. It's more you know. But then her stuff so asks this question. But anyways, so yeah. So there's some just some weird dark things. And then once because uh, she hangs out in this abandoned cemetery. And one of the tombstones is for Frankenstein. I don't remember if there's a, a first name or not. And there's like a bust of Cole Sprouse. And then stuff happens. Somehow Cole Sprouse comes to life. And so you have this basically Frankenstein character. And it's almost like, you know, when I, I was explaining, talking about the movie with, with the secretaries at, at school, because I always update them. And... Uh, I kept saying he's he's kind of like a zombie in a way because he comes back to life, but it's supposed to be Frankenstein. It's not really Frankenstein, but it, you know that was his name. 
And so it's a little different, little, you know, whatever. And it's just, <laughs> so basically, Catherine Newton is brilliant. She has to carry a lot out of the movie. And because Cole Sprouse's character, you know, he's back from dead. He doesn't talk. It's just a lot of, so when I'm watching the movie, I was like, wow, man, he doesn't have a lot of, he doesn't have to memorize his lines. But that doesn't mean he has it totally easy. You know, Cole Sprouse is a good actor. You know, I, I say what you want about Riverdale. That's that's such a that's such an entertaining production. I mean, I, I I still need to finish watching that, and and I'm not going to just give up on that show. I'm determined I will watch finish those those episodes because it, it's I find it entertaining. There's so those those episodes are absurd and entertaining. But Cole Sprouse, he has to act without talking you know he has to convey his scenes but Catherine newton you know she because it's a comedy it's a, it's, a, it's a super dark comedy so she has to be funny but she's also serious and there's just like so much going on and you know cole sprouse is like this come to life whatever and it's uh so it's it's just yeah there's there's it's it's heavy duty so they're they're both really good you know just just carrying the whole weight of the movie the, the fact that it has this 80s vibe, it just, you know, it, it's almost like that nostalgia feeling. It almost like it, it's going to make this like a cult classic. And, and I hope it does because it's not a perfect movie. There were times as I watched this and I was just kind of like, okay, this, this isn't quite working as, as like the way I would want it to work. Or I feel like it's just maybe a little flat. But for the most part, I feel like they, they do a really good job with it. And it, it is like a lot of fun, I think. And there's some things that kind of catch you off guard, but you know we don't have movies like this anymore. I feel like, and and that's what I'm really taking away from this. So while it wasn't a perfect movie, I'm glad I saw it because I I did enjoy it for what it was, and I think it is you know kind of bold in a way to go in this direction and have you know do some of the things they do. I'm a little surprised because I'm pretty sure it's a PG-13 movie. There's some things that are borderline like. Uh, I don't know if that's quite appropriate. Uh, I mean, there, there's nothing horrible, and I'm sure 13 year old kids have seen a lot worse. I think there's like, I think there's kids in my school that are watching Euphoria. It's like, um, no, you shouldn't be. I, I don't even want to watch Euphoria. I feel like that's too much for me. But also, I don't need to be watching teen, teenage stuff um, like that. So it's it's a very interesting movie, and I think if you can go into it with an open mind that it could be interesting to appreciate what they accomplished and what they made out of this and just what, because again, they're channeling this eighties vibe of movies. And, and I, I, I think that that, that's, that's really interesting. And, and uh, I, I just feel like some people are going to be just like poo pooing all over it because they don't quite get it or they might think, I don't, I don't know if they're, if, if some of the low critic scores, cause I haven't read the, the reviews. I, I, I feel like, a feeling that some people are are like like this is so lame or this is what are they trying to do or it's like they're purposely trying to go in a certain direction it's not like they're saying that this is a modern movie and it's doing so i think you just need to be be aware from you know of that and you know i i mentioned like heathers and you know edward scissorhands so if if you're looking for something like that of that nature you know you you kind of want that vibe or that energy then this is you know this is worth checking out and just, you know, I, I think Catherine Newton was, I think I saw she was a big little liars. I never watched that. I don't know what else, she, you know, she, she's done, but I, I, I feel like, you know, she is like an actress to, to keep an eye on. She just has this, this comedic wit that, 
is just, it feels like natural. It just, you know, I, I follow her on TikTok. I, I don't always see a lot of TikTok videos because I don't really watch a lot. Of, I don't sit there and scroll through a bunch of them. But the, the stuff that I've seen and like little interview clips, she's just very on it. And yeah, a lot of that stuff may be rehearsed or whatever. That's her job. She's an actress, but she makes it seem flawless. And, you know, it's just, it feels natural when she's delivering her whatever, even in these little videos or interviews or whatever. So I think, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think you should check this out. I, um, the budget of this movie is apparently 13 million and it's projected to make four to 6 million in its opening weekend. So that's like half the budget right there. And hopefully Will it do more than thirteen million? I I hope it does. I hope this is successful. That you know you got this little little movie, and I, I hope it, it 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 takes off, and I hope can, people can appreciate it for what it is. Um, it, when it when it ended, I'm like, really? <laughs> I was I was kind of surprised by by this. So I I think it's it's worth watching if this is your type of thing because like i said it's not going to be for everyone but i i really applaud what they're trying to do here and it you know it was it was directed by uh zelda williams who i didn't realize you know this is a uh, robin williams daughter so I, I think this is her directorial debut and i i think she did a good job and i i did see i did scroll down on rotten the tomatoes when i looked at and i saw one person said something about her not being able to handle the weight of the whatever balancing. I was like, I thought it was fine. I thought it, it, you know, if anything, you know, maybe there's some parts of the, the script or the you know, dialogue, but I don't know. I, I thought, I thought it was a good movie. So I, I think that's really all there is for me to say. Cause you know, I, I feel like now I'm just going in circles and that. So I, I liked it and I think you should give it a shot unless you just think it's not your, your cup of tea, because it may not be for everyone, but it was for me. So that is going to be it. Lisa Frankenstein. Ha-cha-cha-cha. I don't know what that is. <laughs> what I do know is that is going to be the podcast for the week. So big thanks to Andrew Loken and Dave McPhail. I switched that around the same. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And, uh, yeah, so last week I did the Percy Jackson movie from 2010, and I remember nothing from that movie. I know for a fact I saw that. I know my daughter wanted to see it. I know we watched it. I'm pretty sure, I think I own it on DVD. I could be totally wrong with that. My DVDs are, like, stored away because I don't watch DVDs, really. I do Blu-rays and HD, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so it's... It's weird, especially if you watch the show or read the books. I started listening to the audiobook uh, last week. Um, and this week, I'm probably going to do uh, another issue of What If, What If number two from 1976. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformec. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. Five cups of coffee. That is ko-fi.com slash gmanformec. Okay, what is going to be next week? Because this week is Valentine's Day, we got Madam Web coming up. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Valentine's. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be the movie feature. I'm looking forward to that. I hope it's not horrible. Um, I'm looking forward to it. 
I hope people aren't all uptight because it's all women and they're, they're questioning their masculinity, that it's, it's being threatened because there's only tough women and no tough dudes. Boo-hoo, get over it. I, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be awesome because they're cool characters in the comics and I hope that they're cool characters on the big screen. And, and some of the actresses that I know of, they're, they're good actresses. So I, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll watch that. Um, other than that, uh, I'm not sure about TV stuff. I don't know if there's anything new coming out because I, I know some stuff is coming. Um, Invincible is March. Star Wars, I think, is, is the, like the 21st or the 28th. So I might it might be more Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't know if we'll do more has-been hotel. Maybe if there's nothing else. I, I don't know. But that's going to be it. Um, so thank you for listening. I was gonna say thank you for watching. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Even, I don't want to do that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Uh, I hope you are doing well. I hope you are taking care of yourself. I hope you're having a fun, great time in life. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.